Boom, and welcome back to the Down to Get Weird podcast. Not sure what episode this is, but I got my main man, side piece, Matt Legnux. Welcome back to the show, good sir. We have uh, we have a lot to talk about. There's been a lot that's gone on since uh, you've been on the show. and Always a pleasure. Yep, glad to have you. He's got his hipster red and black uh, girl Nebraska Husker game day shirt on. So you would fit in here on a Saturday with all the sorority girls. But there is no game day because... Well, there technically are still football games, but... Well, and I don't think, and it's similar, we've had this discussion before, I don't think regulations stop people. Like No, not... Uh, just like I don't think laws deter behavior. Yeah. That, and I, I mean, not to just open the bag, but... Uh, Let's open the bag. I don't... Let's find some goodies. I don't think... Putting people in lockdown is right. I don't think you can take away people's ability to do whatever they want because at this point, we've been in this pseudo weird COVID thing for like nine months. Hey, 15 days to slow the spread, all right? It's Just think about that every 15 days for nine months and then it will slow the spread at some point. Like I, I think that, so technically right now, Biden's the president, technically. Well, no, technically he's not the president. I mean, he's, or kind of. like Actually, technically he's not even the president-elect, but he will be the president elect that it, eventually it's not it's not official official but hypothetically he's the going to be elect. yes the president potentially that if i think if he were to try to implement lockdowns again the world's gonna burn people are gonna be like nope i'm out like i'm doing whatever i want screw you e yes well i think what I would hope what happened is he'd leave it up to the governors, which is like what Trump's done, which is what I think should be the case. Leave it up to the governors because Montana and California are not the same. Yep, I agree. But also, I think like <laughs> some of the there's a reason everyone's leaving California. Yes. So it's 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 a very interesting. Here's something that I don't think a lot of people have thought about. It's like the United States has handled this. Worse than any other country. That's what everyone's saying. And I'm like, okay. Also, the United States is different than every other country. Like, yep. you can force a lockdown and quarantining in Vietnam. It's a communist country. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, you can do these things and people will listen and you can do lockdowns and more people will listen. In Germany, they're more of an orderly society and a smaller population yes 10 percent of the try US doing that in the united states people will, do not trust their government and they don't listen to their government it's literally how we became a country so it's like people are like how could like it doesn't matter who the president was going to be the exact same outcome would happen and if joe biden tries to do that it's the exact same thing is going to happen people aren't going to listen some people will and some people won't because it's the united states and you can't tell you can't tell Americans, a lot of Americans, what to do because they're not going to listen. Well, and the other problem is that right now, I was just listening to this on JRE that, and it keeps coming up that we are in the most polarizing time probably ever in American history that basically 50% of the population is going to agree with what you do and 50% of the population is going to disagree. Yeah. Like, um, and 50% decides what the other 50% has to deal with for four years, essentially. And it's the, the problem is the extremes. It's not, I mean, I don't think that, and this is the problem with me, mainstream media to me is that they're only representing the extremes. They're only showcasing 
things that are going to sell views that are going to portray one party one way or the other. And I'm, I mean, to be honest, I'm not that political. Like, uh, I would describe myself as a, a center person that I, so kind you're of, saying you didn't vote for, uh, what I'm saying is Cam Brady. I, <laughs> I didn't even vote. So, and then people, this is the other problem with me even saying that is people get super yeah. upset that I didn't vote and they're like, you're right to vote. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, like, I voted, I voted for Cam Brady Yeah. and well, Marty Huggins. And <laughs> have you had, uh, <laughs> any alcoholic beverages tonight? Yeah. I have uh, had five or six, six small, small batch, batch bourbons. bourbons. Um, but the the thing is, to me, it's like, um, whoever, as you've said, whoever was going to come in, it's not like they're going to fix the problem right away. I don't think that Trump handled it poorly. I think had Biden been in, I don't think he would have handled it poorly either. That I think like, they both handled it how they would have handled it. I think Trump can show better leadership most of the time. I do think that, like. He, like, you're you're a president. You should be a leader, and you should be a leader for everyone. And I do think there's times where that go where that's gone awry. But no mandates or anything that you put in, people are not going to follow them. They yeah. really won't. It's like we tried it, and and that's the thing is, is when we did it, I think a lot of people did lock down for 14, 15 days, and mm-hmm. like, okay, we can do this short term, and a lot of people did, and it still spread, and then. And then people are like, all right, I'm not living my life like this. So I'm I'm going to stop listening. Or at least I'm I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to restaurants. I'm going to go do things. Well, and and the other thing that bothers me is the statistics behind this are so unsure. Like of people were reporting all these fake deaths and basically then if you had covid like symptoms, they would say you died of covid but you were maybe had stage 4 terminal cancer. Like yeah. all these things that were like, are these statistics real? Um, and now all I well, hear... And when you incentivize hospitals to have coronavirus cases, that's they're going what, to diagnose coronavirus cases. So exactly. it's like, I think there's just so much, there's so much unknown. And like but then controversy. people want to pick their sides and be like, that's the facts, that's the facts. I'm like, well, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Well, and I think the, the other thing that um, isn't great or people don't really talk about, there's two things. One is that, just because the cases are increasing, the deaths still are relatively low. Like the morbidity rate of the actual virus itself is extremely low yeah. other than your high risk cases, yeah. which, and this is the second thing is all people talk about, especially in the media is wear a mask. Um, and now this is super controversial, but to me, I'm like, there are so many other factors that go into your immune health and go into other things that are not revolving around wearing a mask. Yeah. And I mean, I lived, so I lived in Vietnam for five months or whatever. Um, I, the last three months I wore a mask pretty much every day. Um, and it's not because it was just the pollution Saigon is horrible. Um, but I am, I'm a big proponent of, okay, say you can wear a mask, but are other people like talking about some of the stuff that doctors have talked about as far as like immune health? Like, are you exercising? regularly are, are you, you vitamin d well yeah it's the, i mean what were they saying vitamin d vitamin c and zinc and, zinc. and you're you get over it most people get over it very 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 yeah, fast the, and the, have very little negative symptoms to it so it's like yeah that's that's more of the issue than getting it if you're healthy then but we have a lot of people who aren't healthy and and that's the thing is uh i, I said this right when it first came out um 
that it didn't feel authentic. Like something about COVID or something about the way it was portrayed in the media and the way that things kind of rolled out. I was like, something about this doesn't seem authentic in that when it first came out, when things were getting in lockdown, people were like, oh my gosh, I'm super scared. Like family members that I knew, friends that I knew, they're like, man, this is crazy. I'm super scared. And they changed nothing. It's kind of like uh, um, the definition of insanity, like when doing the same thing and expecting different results. It's like, oh, well, this is really scary, but I'm not going to start taking vitamin D, working out, eating healthy, and doing all these other things. But then you'll yell at me for not wearing a mask. Yeah. It's like, what? So something about that to me, I was like, there's something. Well, it's easier to change other people than it is to change yourself. Uh, Jordan Peterson. I mean, yeah. What is it? Get your, uh, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. And that's what that mindset. I mean, that's probably the, we're seeing that everywhere in every issue too. Yes. It's like, it's, it's easier to change you or it's easier to change someone else than it is to change you. Cause then you don't have to change. Then you can just keep doing the same thing you've always done. And that's, I mean, that's, we've seen a lot of that recently where it's like you change, you change. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep yelling at you to change until you do it. When it's like, well, maybe there's something, maybe there's something better you could do to make it. It's like, first look at yourself. Like, how can I actually make this better? Yeah. And that's probably not telling other people to just be different. It's probably like, you can actually probably, change things for the better and like get to the root cause of a lot of issues. Well, and that's why, I mean, I don't know if you follow <laughs> uh, like David Goggins or Cam Haynes on Instagram. It's like, like they talk so much and this is something we can talk about a little bit later. Um, but do difficult things. Like the hard thing is to change yourself and set the example or like have the discipline. Uh, I was just thinking about this this morning. It's like ideas um, in theory are, like relatively easy, like concepts could be easy. Like, let's say you want to lose weight, right? You shouldn't be in a calorie deficit. So burn more calories than you eat and you'll lose weight. Now that one line sentence is really easy to say. Yeah. The discipline and like the plan and the consistency over a long period of time is extremely difficult. Yeah. And that's, it's easy to point out, like you're saying, to say to other people like, Hey, you do this. Or like, hey, you should go and... Well, it's easier to sue McDonald's for you being fat like those two chicks did. Yeah. It's like, well, you could also, one, you don't have to eat here. Two, you could like... There's something you could probably do to change this. Well, and it's it's that, like, the concept that... I, I wrote an article about this once, that people are like water. That like, they're going to take... If I have a bucket and I cut a hole in the bottom of the bucket the water's going to take the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to, your bucket's going to be empty pretty soon. Yeah. And people are similar. Like whatever uh, path that they're taking, like oftentimes, and I know I hate making mass generalizations, but that people are going to probably take the easier route, you know, the work harder or work smarter, not harder route. But then in certain aspects, I, you know, like that's why I love running um, or I've be- become a fan of running is like doing these things that just, it literally is like, I'm going to take this amount of time each day to do this thing to get better at. And I know right now I'm not going to get results. Like, I know I'm not going to be better today. But yeah. like, if I consistently do these things, like sacrificing this time now to ultimately know that later on it's going to pay off. 
yeah. kind of like an investment thing. What do you want to get out of running? Uh, I mostly do. Well, I want to train for a triathlon. That's my goal. Is ultimately Ironman. How long is a triathlon? Uh, is it a marathon? One hundred and forty miles. Yeah, but is it? It's two two point eight miles. Two point four miles. Can you swim? Can you swim? Yeah, I'm a good swimmer. I'm not like you. Uh, I've already swam half an Ironman in a training session. Um, now it's going to be way more difficult in real life. Um, but 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a marathon. So a full marathon. Yeah. After, after you've done a hundred and what's the, uh, Ironman. That's what that is. Oh, that's an Ironman. I thought it was a triathlon. Well, so all Ironmans are triathlons. Not yeah, all triathlons are iron. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, tri- right? a basic triathlon, like an Olympic triathlon, is only like 30 miles, I think, or something oh. like that. But then it's levels. Like there's a sprint triathlon, there's an Olympic triathlon there. But the reason I got into it, one was I came back from Asia and I wanted to get back in shape because Asia hurt me. But then um, I found Nick Bear on YouTube and he was training for an Ironman. And I was like, that's really cool. Like I want to do things that are difficult. Um, started training for it. Didn't really know what I was doing. Kind of hurt myself. Now I'm slowly getting back into it. Um, but uh, it also translates the things that I found is that it translates to a lot of things. So like my backcountry skiing, like going touring, my legs are so conditioned that when I'm touring, I barely get tired now. Or going in kind of the mindset of like general physical preparedness, like being able to go and do things upon request. Like, hey, we're running a 5K today. Oh, I can do that. Or, hey, we're going trail running. Or, hey, we're going hiking. Or, hey, we're going touring. Like, yeah. Whatever these things are, I can just plug myself in without having to worry like, oh, I'm going to be, I don't ever want to be the chain that's like holding the yeah. leash back. So. That's me. See, yeah. all you have to do is be friends with me and it's not that hard because I'll be that one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you just hang out with me and you go do that, then it's like, well, he's going to be the last one. Because uh, well, I am not that way. Well, but, I, but I have been lifting three times a week since... March or no. Well, since, well, I got it in March and then it like closed for like a couple months or a month, but I hate it. Like I hate it so much. Well, it's my least favorite thing to do, but I think you, you have to do those things. Yeah. And I have, and I'm like, I have to do it. I said, I do it. I'm going to do it. And it's like, and that's probably come from like the wrestling background of just like, I didn't like going to practice either, but I just had to do it. So yeah, it's but it's not fun. I do find it way more enjoyable when I'm like in Asia or in Mexico or somewhere where it's like I'm just in an overall happier state, probably mm-hmm. where it's like in life is so simple at that point. It's like you don't have anything to worry about. There's nothing like there's not very many external things that are weighing on you. So it's like wake up, maybe I'll do some editing. Then it's like, well, what am I gonna do? I could either go to the pool or I can go lift. Lifting's fun or lifting's okay. When it's like you're outside all the time and it's, it's just, warm. it's just, yeah, it's warm. It's just way better. And then I'll lift and I don't hate it as much then. Well, and, um, I mean, I know Asia is your favorite part of the world. Do it. And it sounds like they're not going to open this year. I so. heard Australia could be closed till 2022. No, 2022. Really? I, but I, what's your stance on, I, cause I don't think the answer is continued lockdown. I don't think that's the answer. Um, I think that's the... Unfortunately, I think that is a way that... I think it's a cop-out. It is a cop-out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a way that people can try to 
defend themselves if they're up for re-election or if they're up for something like that. It's like, well, I did what I could. And it's like, well, I mean... You took the easy path. You took the you took the path that everyone can easily take. Yeah, lockdown. It's like, oh, well, there's suicides up so 200, much. 200%, I yeah. think I saw. Well, for sure, yeah. And uh, they were saying at the beginning it was probably more than that. Maybe it's gone down since some things have opened, but like suicides up, uh, businesses are failing, domestic violence up, everything's up. I mean, think about it in the first beginning, I forget where I think I heard this on Joe Rogan's podcast, but like in the UK, they didn't do cancer screenings for two months. It's like, so what's that? Like you, you have all these other health issues. Like it's not like all these other diseases are, or, you know, things paused during it. It's like, yep, people still get cancer and then you get screened for it and then you need to start doing things for that. Like all these other things are still around. Well, and they have, uh, not to go political again, they have like a universal healthcare system, don't they? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I mean, and it's, and it's, it's just a, like people don't, aren't full, like I don't think the politicians are, are, are taking into account all these other issues. And because it's like, well, those are kind of like, they're not out in the forefront. People aren't mm-hmm. complaining about suicide or about all these other things. They're complaining about coronavirus and which it's like, obviously I don't want anyone to die. Like, and, and that's another hard thing. It's like, if you say that, then he's like, well, you don't care about people. I'm like, no, I mean, and it, I could say the same thing to you. Like, you don't care about people. You don't care about people's mental, mental health. health. You don't care about yeah. people's, you know, any other disease or anything else. Like you can, you can just, it's so easy to just try to, a lot of, you know, virtue signal, like, oh, well, I care more. Yeah, like, I'm the better person. I'm the better person. I have a mask in my Facebook profile picture. Yeah. I'm or, wearing a mask in my Facebook profile or picture. I post, I'm like, come on. And that's what, uh, to go more into the Facebook thing, it's like this, and I've been hearing so much more, especially since, I don't know if you listen to the new Tristan uh Thompson, or I forget his last name, from The Social Dilemma. He went on Joe Rogan, and yeah, it's like, we are now heading to this virtual world where people just virtue signal and like it's a um like a wall yeah. that you can hide behind and like point the finger all you want but then in person people would never say that. Well like yeah. This if you were in front of me right now, you would never say that to me. Like because you would see my reaction or you would understand like oh that's like like trolls and people You don't want people to die. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what, and then people can just kind of mark the people as the other and, and just not just be like, well, I don't even have to listen to what you're saying because you care, don't care about people dying. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, okay, that's, that's not true. And, and it's like virtue is something that should be hard to come by. It's like, you shouldn't be able to get virtue very easily. Mm -hmm. And so by going out and trying to act like you care about something without actually like trying to make change for things. It's like, if you're just out there yelling, it's like, you're not a better person than anyone for doing that. Mm -hmm. And you maybe think you are and you feel like you are, but you're not. And it's like, you can't just get virtue that easy. And I, and it's like, you can't like, like that should be something that takes time and takes effort and takes actual change. Like, 
there are people who are doing, who who uh, believe in the, a lot of those causes that people are out there really talking about. It's like, and they're doing things that actually help. Mm-hmm. Most of the people, like, just, I don't know. I I do, though, think that, and I think you agree with this, that I do think that most people, other than, like, Ted Bundy, come from a place where their ideas are good. They're speaking from a place of, I'm saying this because it's a good thing or it's a positive thing on any issue. Like, most people, their beliefs are based inherently in good thoughts or good nature. Yeah. But... it doesn't always come off that way, like of um, making a, ge- a generalization like you're saying, based off of this one decision or one thing you've said now, I can put you in a box where I can write you off. Because well, then you don't have to listen. Exactly. And now you don't have to change your, you don't have to think about anything they're saying. And that I think, uh, you know, I find this is a fading skill. Um, and they talk about this or I've seen people talk about this a lot is that being able to listen and communicate effectively being able to actually listen, like internalize, um, especially on these super polarizing, like controversial topics that are really hard to discuss, that there's a nuance in discussion, there's nuance in listening, and it takes time. And you can't just unpack, you know, something like universal basic income or universal healthcare or something with two sentences to say, let's cancel all student debt. And then I go, well, how would you do that? They go, you don't want to cancel student debt? Like, you're a bad person. Oh, wow, you don't care about... You you want everyone to be enslaved to debt, and it's like no, that's it's like that's not, not true. And kind of similar to the how Jordan Peterson got famous with that interview. It's that's not what I said. Yeah, what I said was this: if you would listen to what I say, yeah, rather than oftentimes we listen to respond rather than listen to listen. It's I'm listening to have this pre canned response to show that I'm a good person or yeah. show that I'm smarter than you or whatever your position may be, and it's like that's not how it should be. You know, the more I listen, and people give me hell for this, but I listen to a ton of Joe Rogan. And the more I listen to him, the more I become uh, less cemented. I don't know what the right word would be, but I'm- Less stuck in your ways. Yeah, I'm less stuck in my ways and I'm more open to ideas and more so the concept of just hearing what you have to say. Like what, maybe we we may disagree on a lot of things, but like, let me hear what you have to say. Yeah. Like what, maybe you could, and not the change my mind mindset, kind of like the Steven Crowder thing, but more so like, Maybe I'm wrong. Like, yeah. and maybe my idea is, and a lot of things I haven't thought through. Like, I'm 29 and I am so dumb. Like, being able to humble yourself. I think, I think a lot of people don't want to be wrong. And it's just like, no, I'm going to keep arguing. It's like, and I, it's like, you got to win. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to be wrong. It's like, why do you want to be, let's say your th- line of thinking is wrong. It's like, you don't want to change that? It's like, maybe you're wrong. Like, maybe your beliefs aren't right. It's like, and you don't want to find out if there's truth out there. So it's like, people just, it's like, and the only way you can do that is by listening to all different sides. It's like, if you can't explain to me why somebody, and I said this in the first time Donald Trump got elected. Technically, the only time Donald Trump got elected. (laughs) But I was like, if you can't tell me why someone would vote for Donald Trump, then you don't know what you're talking about. If you can't tell me why somebody would vote for Bernie Sanders, you can't. You don't know what you're talking about. If you don't can't tell me why somebody would vote for Hillary Clinton, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't defend both sides, if you had to, then you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're not. You you shouldn't be speaking if you can't defend all sides and then be like, okay, this is why, this is why Karl Marx thought this way. 
and he and it's a compelling case. He's also wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, and here's why I think he's wrong. I can tell you why people would think he's right or he thought he was right. I can then also say and 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 talk about how he was wrong and why he was wrong. But it's like if you don't understand where they're coming from, then how can you do that? Then you're just you're just blindly following uh whatever preconceptions you have already. And I saw this thing um throughout Lincoln, which was super weird and maybe it happened at other places, but leading up to the election, there were signs in people's yards oh, for whoever they want to vote for. Thank you. And one of them was like, first off, one of them was like uh vote vote for all Democrats. I literally was gonna bring this up. I was like, all of them? Just all of them. Yeah. Don't even think about it. Don't even know their names. Vote Just blue. Vote, vote for all Democrats. It literally, I think it said on November 3rd or 5th, whatever it was, vote for all Democrats. And then I was at my dad's and he's a registered Republican and he got something in the mail and it said, here's who you should vote for. And it just literally listed ev- everything on the ballot and this is the way you need to vote. I'm like, all of them? Just like, don't even think about it. Just literally, that's what you should follow. Well, and that's what it's... First off, I don't know if you feel this way. The type of people who put yard signs in their yard regarding their political stances yeah. are probably not people that I'm going to get along with. Here, here's, where, here's my first thought on each side of it. If you put Joe Biden signs in your yard, one, you don't care about Joe Biden at all. Mm-hmm. You just hate Donald Trump. And you're trying to signal, I'm a good person because I don't like Donald Trump because Donald Trump's me. Yes. If you have a Trump sign in your yard, you're just really obnoxious. <laughs> and you're like, you're that guy who has the diesel truck with a USA flag and a Donald Trump sign and like a lifted a lifted truck and you just like rev your engine. That's that's what I see both of them. Well, and it's... I'm like, I neither one of you... Like, I'm not saying don't care, but it shouldn't matter this much. They, it's almost it's almost embarrassing. Well, and it's funny that you say that because like like I literally was having I've had this thought for like a few months cuz I like my runs I'll pass a lot of houses. And I'm like, do you really think that this yard sign is like an effective marketing campaign? It's like this, you know what? I don't know who that guy is, but I think I'm going to Like now I'm going to change my complete yeah. stance on all these nuanced conversations yeah. and ideologies based off of your yard sign. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's like a like if you're putting Biden, it's like a virtue signaling thing. It's like, oh, I'm a good person because I have yeah. vote for Biden. And that, it coming back to the broad generalization thing. So I've seen it in two aspects. I've seen vote blue or vote for Democrats, and I've seen vote for women. And I go, okay. All of them? S- similar to the idea or the concept of the, there's a pay gap um, in men versus women for the same job. Um, that if that were true, that everything is identical and the only thing that's different is their pay, then businesses would only hire women. Yeah. Like, that's not, it's not true. And that's, same thing with that. It's So I'm supposed to, irregardless of any past, any problems, anything they've ever done, vote blue. No matter what, like you're saying, this brought, and it's become more relevant, I think, now that people make these broad generalizations about groups of people, about, what you say, they'll, it's they'll identity hear, politics. Yeah, they hear part of what you're saying, and I mean, you re- uh, we're huge Jordan Peterson fans. That you look at most of these lectures and these people, they're trying to box him in or corner him into saying something, yeah. like, and they'll take snippets of what he said. 
because the hard part would be discussing the nuanced thing of like the discussion between having um, like, who should I vote for? Okay, let's take one issue and we can break it down for a few hours versus um, just saying, vote Democrat. And if you don't vote Democrat, you're a bad person. It's like, that's not how it works. Yeah. Well, and both when both sides can say the other side's a bad person for voting the other way, it's like, uh, okay, you're both wrong. Like, I know good people who voted both sides. Mm-hmm. It's like, also, it's it's like, why does it, I think, I think people put so much stock into who the president is. And it's like, it, people get like so wrapped up in all this, in all this. And I'm like, guys, it doesn't matter. I, I'm going to tell you this, and this is one thing I do know. If your life sucked before the election, it doesn't matter who the president is. Your life's going to suck after. <laughs> if your life was great before, your life's going to be great after. Like the president is going to have zero change to your life. It really will. Now, okay, maybe not zero. Very 3%, minimal. 3%. Very minimal. 4%. Like I talk to people, they're like, well, you know, people who are wealthier, they're like, well, my taxes are going to go up and I have to pay more in taxes. I'm like, yeah, that's that. And, and I'm like, I get that. And then you go to the other side and it's like, well, I care more about, you know, the climate. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like those, I think everyone doesn't, I think everyone's in favor or most people are in favor of not paying more mm-hmm. and and not having the earth burn up. Like now, those are very vast generalizations towards it and, there, and there's more conversation to be had in there, but it's like, I get why people would go both sides. It's like, in, and to pretend like we're so different, it's like, we're not. Well, I, and I think like 80% of people are those people, are people like you and me that are not on the, the polar ends. Oh, uh, not like the, like, not like far left or far right. Yeah. The, like, I think there's very few people population wise who are far left and far right. Yeah. I think less than 5%. Probably are are the people that are portrayed in like media. Well, yeah. Like, and even honestly, the people that say there's, there's not very many racist people in the United States. I'm going to like, that's, it's true. There's there's really not that many actually racist people. There's also not that many like people out there waving communist flags and, uh, Che Guevara shirts. Yeah. Like they're really, they're not, there's not a lot of, there's not as there's not as many people that are rioting as opposed to protesting. Yeah. There's not as many people who, are going to go out there with guns and try to defend something. Like people, most people are just like, I just want to stay out there. I just want to stay in my house. Exactly. I just want to live my life. Yeah. There's not that many that are far to those sides. Yes. But but the media portrays it as like, America's this huge racist country. Or it's like, all these people are are like, the entire city of Portland is burning. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not true. And there's not that many racist people. It's like, we live in the heart of what a lot of people would call the or the Midwest where there you would a lot of people would think there's racist people. It's like I don't really know many, or if any at all. Yeah, that are like like maybe two that, that would be called like racist. Like maybe two. yeah. Like and I know a lot of people around here. I know a lot of people on the right. It's in Nebraska. It's like nope, they're really not. They just that's just not the way they are. And it's like probably the same on the other side when you really break things down with people on the that you would imagine are far left. It's like, well, maybe they're not as far left as you think. Yeah. The, I would venture to bet that the people who have the signs in the front, their front lawn, let's say vote Democrat. 
Like if you were to knock on their door and talk to them, they would actually be like, well, I mean, I didn't mean that. Like it's not. Yeah. And I hear, I hear that a lot. Uh, but that's why, and especially after reading JP's book, it's like, be deliberate in your speech. Like think things through before you say them, try to understand both sides and then make your decision because like nuanced speech and like understanding these complex topics is really hard. But if you just take the cop out of like, I put a sign in my front yard and now I'm a good person. It's like the nuance that comes with something like that is difficult, but you can't just have another cop out and say, Oh, well that's not what I meant. Like, but that's what you said. Yeah. That's what you said. And that's what you're portraying. Like, yeah. So that's, it comes back to the authenticity thing. It's like, well, you're saying one thing and doing another, like be who you are and say who you are. Yeah. It's also like people wrap people fully wrap their identity in that. I'm like, are you really like, is that who you are? Like totally. One thing I do find really funny is like downtown Lincoln near the Capitol. I've been down there quite a bit recently and, and I see, I've seen this in Omaha too, in the downtown market. It's like, those are the places where people were starting protests. Cause like the Capitol in Lincoln is downtown and that's where everybody usually starts a protest or something. Businesses are putting out like a ton of businesses have like black lives matter signs. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's almost like, I think it's much more of like a Passover type situation where it's like, if there is a big protest or if things start getting out of hand, it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, not this house. Like blood. Yeah. Blood yeah, on yeah. the door. Blood <laughs> on the like, door. Yeah, exactly. Blood on the door. Yeah. Like, hey, not us. Yeah. I'm like, I, I just wonder if that's, I think a lot of people have been scared into that because of some things that have gone on now, obviously that things like that didn't really happen in Lincoln, mm -hmm. but it's like, I do think it's weird how, when you go to the places where everyone congregates, those signs start popping up. And I just wonder, I've always wondered, I'm like, I think that would probably be the reason Well, it's like, Hey, just in case something goes off, just in case maybe Donald Trump wins, it's like, Hey, not this place. And, like, well, and that's what keep what, our windows intact. The, I mean, to go back to the riot thing, the rioters and the protesters are two different groups. Yeah, for sure. And and the problem is that the riot, if you're on the right, they're like, well, if you're protesting, you're a rioter. And it's like, no, that's not, there's yeah. nuance there. Those yeah. people are people that would riot or uh, would destroy well, things. They're, they're probably not there for They're not there the for protest. the Yeah, the message. They're there yeah. to, as a cop, or not a, a cop in, I guess, like, oh, this is happening? Well, now we can push well, our I can agenda. Take advantage of it. Yeah, I can utilize this time to then. Yeah, and like you're saying, people are being forced into these, making these statements to protect themselves. And it's sim. I mean, uh, well, I, and yeah, it's to not to make a drastic or a, a harsh comparison, but I mean, isn't that what they did in Nazi Germany? They show up with a gun at your door and say, "Do you? Yeah. Are you a not? Do you believe in the Nazi yeah. regime? Well, and are if you, you say no, then you get shot." Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, they do that in, I mean, that was more apparent in communist, in yep. communism, mm -hmm. where you get better jobs if you join the communist party and, I mean, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's. You're forcing, you're forcing people's hand into ideologies because of a minority group of people. Yeah. That if you don't have the blood on your door or the, you know, the Passover ideology, like you're not showcasing, oh, well, I don't have these signs or these these whatever, well, now we're going to destroy your business. Yeah. Or now we're going to wreck your, your yeah. home. 
Well, I mean, did you have you seen the videos of people just eating out like outside of a restaurant in like their little like not I don't know courtyard or balcony area, not a balcony, but the so yeah, like a social distancing and then, thing. Yep. And then the people come by and they like make them put their hands up. They're like, put your hands up. It's like protesters, or I don't even know if they're protest. I don't know what it is, but it's like a mm-hmm. you have to essentially you have to say like Black Lives Matter in that sense, and they're. They're screaming at them. Yeah. And they're like, everyone has to do this. People are like, I'm just trying to eat. It's like, do you think that's the best way to convince somebody to, to, to truly change someone's opinion that you maybe doesn't have the same opinion as you? It's, it's like forcing them to do something. I'm like, guys, there's some old footage you could look at from uh, the uh, early 1900s that maybe would be similar to this. Like... It's probably, it's like, maybe you should learn some history and know where this leads. Like, and that's the, that's the thing is it's a slippery slope. Yeah. It's a, uh, you, you can't force people to believe what you believe. And, uh, like it was right when the, um, uh, and all this is so controversial, but it's like, you have to, you have to talk about it. Like when it first came out and. Um, the Black Lives Matter protests were happening and they were coming up to white people and making them say things or do the fist or like do different things. It's like you like that's you believe that that's like the right way to go about like forcing your ideology on people. Yeah. Like and I'm not saying and this is the other thing similar to who's the guy that went on Joe Rogan that talked about this that you shouldn't have to say obvious things like you shouldn't uh, have to say James Lindsay. Uh, you shouldn't say obvious. You shouldn't yeah. have to say obvious. Things. Like saying that Black Lives Matter. Like yes, of course. Like all lives matter. Like human lives oh, matter. Oh man, you're about to get which canceled. Is, oh, it's a, and it's it's so it's so ridiculous that s- someone would try to make someone say that. Yeah. That like what what are you really pushing here? Like what is this a control thing? Yeah. Is this a like um like you're saying I can write you off on a box of like. Oh, you don't care about any one thing? Like, what is it? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's in some sense, there's people who, I mean, in just like with everything, there's people who are really have the, are, are really coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. There are those, for sure, there's a lot of those people. There's some people who are coming from a, not a very good place. Yeah. With it. And the way I've, thought about it is I've kind of wanted interactions like that to happen so I can pretend like I don't know anything about anything mm-hmm. and then just see like because everyone right now it's just like it's in your face 24 7 you pick up your phone if you get on any social media it's like it's it's everywhere yeah and it and I mean not just with like the voting but with you know all the social change stuff it's like I want to I want to be the guy who has no idea what's going on. You like that guy. That's the guy you want to be right now. Yeah. Because it, it there was like this quote in the from Duncan Trussell that just went around. Oh. It was like yes. Yeah. There's some guy sitting sitting by a waterfall, a, without, by a a waterfall without a phone, not knowing how scared and pissed off he should be right now. <laughs> it's like yeah, those people like that. That's who you want to be. You want to be people. The person who doesn't know when the election is, who doesn't think about it who doesn't know anything that's going on it's like that's the person it's best to be right now because all this stuff doesn't matter it's like how did obama change your life in eight years 
Probably didn't. How did George Bush change your life in eight years? Probably didn't. How did Trump change your life in four years? Probably didn't change that much. Like you changed your life. It's like, that's what you should be focusing your energy on. It's like, I'm not saying don't care. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't have opinions, but it should be that. And then it should be done with, and you shouldn't think about it after that. Well, and, and I don't know if you feel this way to, to bring up travel. Like when I'm traveling or when I'm not here, I am so disconnected from what's going on that like, I, I mean, when I lived in Asia, it's like, I did not know anything about anything going, cause I don't watch the news at all. I don't watch any media. I don't follow any media. Like, and now I don't have Twitter. I don't, I barely use Facebook. Like really the only thing I have is Instagram. I deleted Snapchat, like all these things that where any type of media shows up, it's like, I don't see any of it. And when I was in Asia, I didn't care. It's like, I was living the life. I'm like, I'm working on being a better photographer. Or I was living in Indonesia, like working to be a dive master, like all these things where it's like, I'm working on my day-to-day life and I got a bunch of stuff going on. Like, I don't know what's going on in the U S I came home and I'm like, what is all this stuff? Like, I didn't even know. Um, uh, no, I was, I was going to say I'm, I was back for COVID. Uh, yeah, but just these things yeah, that it's like, you're so disconnected because you're more so in the now, like in the, like what's going on around you of kind of like how you were talking about the workout thing. It's like, okay, what am I going to do today? Like I just woke up. Uh, I got some emails, maybe some things I got to do some editing. I'm, I'm cold calling a few clients and then I'm gonna go to the gym. And then maybe I see a couple friends like that are in Saigon and then sit by the pool and then it's time to go to bed. And it's like, yeah. you do that every day where it's, you take it day by day and maybe like have some future plans and some things that are going on. But it's like, you're not worried about this other stuff that is so like, people just seem so caught up and so tied to like so many things that I'm like, like, I get that there are issues, but there's also a lot of things that you should be thankful for and like grateful for and like happy that we're in this country. Like, like I remember yeah. when, when Trump first got elected and everyone was like, I'm moving, like I'm leaving the country. It's like, no, you're not. Like you, you don't even have a passport first off. Yeah. And it's like, where are you going to go? Canada? You don't think, you don't think there's racist people in Canada. <laughs> like, yeah, there's people everywhere and there's a lot of, there's some shitty people wherever you go. Yeah, it's like, and that- And there's think, not that many of them. That's the thing I think, especially I've learned traveling, is there are good and pe- bad people everywhere you go. Yeah. People talk about like, uh, so I lived in a Muslim village, and um, just yesterday I was watching a good movie. I've seen it before, but it's called The Big Sick. Um, and the family is Muslim. And I was teaching my little brother, they say, Salam Alaikum, Malikum Salam which is like, oh, yeah, may yeah. God be with you oh, okay. and with you. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, um, but if you talk to someone in America, like as soon as I say, oh, I lived in a Muslim village and I went to Muslim ceremonies, I went to a Muslim mosque. It's like, oh my gosh, all they think is radical Muslims. They're like, what did they, did they kill you? Like, did they? And I'm like, what? Like, because all the media has ever portrayed about the Muslim faith is like, this horrible yeah. group of people that ran ISIS and like all these radical Muslims that did all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But they've never been somewhere where it's like, like the island I lived on, it was Muslim and Hindu. And like, the, yeah. there's, they're, they're great together. Like, like no one's out shooting each other and like fighting over faith and all these things that it's like, there are good and bad people everywhere. 
and yeah. like giving people a chance to show like who they are and that's the type of ideology we need it's like you don't you don't i don't know you you don't know me like let's get to know each other and maybe we have some differences but it's like most of the time like we're probably gonna have some common interests and maybe there's some things that we can laugh about and like you're probably a good person and i'm probably a good person it's like why do we have these it's like you do one thing and that defines who you are and you can't have that new coming back to it like that nuanced conversation of finding out who these people are and really getting to know someone yeah like it's hard you said nuanced eight nine times oh well, it's it's because I've been listening to Joe Rogan yeah. too much, and yeah, they, there's been a lot of it's, nuances. It's, that's there's all, been a lot of nuanced speech on Joe Rogan lately. Ton, and because, and I get it, like that people don't want to talk to the depth that you want it because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, well, and well, it's hard to sit down and have a conversation that is open on both ends because people just want to be right. Yep, and it's like I would rather be wrong. Then I learn something. Mm -hmm. Then, like, that's one thing about getting older is you just learn new things every every year. And, like, I do think traveling helps you learn a lot of one area of something. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I think there's there's something that no one who has done longer-term travel, that you, you don't, it's like a mindset you can get into. Like, you were kind of talking about how you're not paying attention to all these other things. Mm -hmm. It's like you literally are just, as, as cliche as it is, you are just living in the moment. Like, and to actually live in the moment is something that not maybe as many people get to do all the time. Because a lot of people, if you go on vacation for like two weeks, you know, and that's probably the, the longest most Americans go on vacation. It's like, you, you want to make those two weeks worth it because you got 50 weeks before you get to do it again. Yeah. So you're like, okay, we got to get up. We got to do these things. We got to do that. And it's like, no, it's like you're, you're really in just another place you, you can shut off all that stuff and it's like, okay, now I need to get food. If I was doing that at home, it's like, well, I can just make food here or I can, you know, just Taco Bell. There's there's like all these places that I always go to. It's like, mm -hmm. well, I don't know what's down this street. And you go down there and then you have a different experience with somebody or it's like, hey, you know, we're here for a month. Like you get to explore a city for a month mm -hmm. and then you move to another city. And it's like, well, I've never been here before. And you're just, you're, you're so focused on just what you have that day, that it lasts a long time. People think that it's like, they always say like, time flies when you're having fun. It's like, time stands still when you're traveling. If you want to slow life down and like, get more out of your years, it's like, that's one way to do it. Because every day is like, a, a f not every day is a total new experience, but most days are new experiences. If you're going longer term travel, then you're like settling in and maybe you'll like, get your routine. Mm -hmm. But, You'll still go and do something different, usually, most days. And even, even... Even if it's just a different restaurant, or you go to a different part of a beach, or you go to a different bar or something, or you take a different path to the gym that you go to. I I think it the way I would describe it would be that the light switch is always on. Like, there's... Even if you're going to the same gym, you're going and seeing the same people or doing similar things day to day, it's that there's always stimulus. Like, I... I remember like driving when I would drive from the gym to the same spot that I would eat every day when I lived in Saigon with Jake. It's like, there's always something new. Like I'd always look at a shop and a shop would have something different or like there'd be a different worker or I'd be, you always have to be checked in. Like there's 200 bikes around you. Like, okay, is this person going to cut in front of me? Like, is it like, 
maybe I'm taking a different route today. Or maybe there's something like, ooh, what's the shop? Like or maybe saying, you see like a motorbike with like a million boxes of chickens on it or something. And they're all like clucking. You're like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Like, yeah. There's always, and you can always choose a path of more stimulus. Like you could take a new road and there's going to be a whole new group of things. And similar to like when people are driving and you're looking at businesses or looking through whatever, or if you're walking, it's like that, but amplified. Like, I don't know how to explain it that, your switch can always be on when you're traveling. Like you're yeah. so focused on, there's so many things coming in and so many things going on that it's like, that's why I don't, I don't think I paid attention to so much because I had so much going on that in a day-to-day experience, it's like, oh my gosh, I've, there's so many things going on that the light switch is always on. Yeah. And, and especially if you're in a country that speaks a different language, it's like, even if you're passively not trying to, you're stuck in the same routine or you're not trying to like do anything new that day. It's like reading signs. Like slowly you'll start to understand what certain words mean Mm -hmm. because based upon the business that it is or whatever it is, or you hear people talking or you like read a menu. So you're, you're passively learning something too without, without even recognizing it Mm -hmm. at the time to where you're like, Oh, like I remember when we were motorbiking, uh, up in the north, especially, we had breakdowns all the time. It's like we quickly learned what the word for hotel and like mechanic was. Not to say and say my. Like it's, which I don't know if you remember this. That's but. Indonesian, right? No, that's Vietnamese. What? Um, like, Isn't it like. Not to say is hotel. I thought it was na nin. And then. Uh, well, there's probably two different words for it, like guest house and hotel. I know. I think na is home, maybe. Oh. But, um, but then so say my. So obviously we didn't learn that much. Like uh, X E M A Y X E say my because X is you say it yeah X's are pronounced oh. as S's um but like say my is like yeah yo I was like, just oh, like look like, it's it's Zima <laughs> we, we got to go here. I gotta fix my don't, something's broke yeah on I was gonna it. say don't forget like there's a a mechanic here because one of us is for sure breaking down yeah when we Dude. save thirty dollars on bikes yeah yeah <laughs> next time. I'm there. I'm buying, buying like a $350 bike, Brand $400, new. $500 bike that it does not break down because we mm. wasted so much time and with breakdowns. so much money. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, uh, so I kind of want to segue into this at some point. Um, Segway. The, uh, to bring up Vietnam, I remember the first time I've ever seen you kind of mentally broke. And oh, it was, yeah. it I remember was it. that rainstorm where I lost rainstorm, my headphones. And well, that, so that was near, uh, it's with the Russian place in Vietnam, um, with the beach. Not Natrang. Natrang. Are you sure? Yeah, uh, that was one where you hadn't put your bag, your stuff in bags, and it was pouring rain, and you were. I so had to stop. Off. And then when I got out to like cover my bags, I had wireless headphones in, and they fell out, and I didn't notice because I was taking my helmet off. Yep. And then I was just like threw the stuff on, and I left, and I was like, "Those sixty dollars headphones are in this monsoon right now, like six miles back." And uh, the other time was. China, we were heading to China with uh, oh. Frazier and Jared, and your bike broke down, and my bike had a flat or something. Oh, we stopped yeah, on that, that hillside, and you well, had you to were pay going up to that big flagpole, the big flagpole, like right the on the north, border, of, north of Vietnam. Yeah, north of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, and you just like we're done. I was like, you spent I can't remember how much money, but you were just like no because over no it. because I had bought a new battery the day before and my battery went out. Yep. And I was like, I just paid like 30 bucks for this battery. And he's like, oh, no, this is a horrible battery. So yeah. why would you? He's like, no, you don't want to use this one. I'm like, 
I was like, oh, I'm so pissed right now. And then you, they had to like take your whole motor apart. Yeah. It was replaced, and you were just sitting there, just defeated. And yeah, like that. I mean, that's like some of the beauties of traveling, though. Is like it's so raw. Yeah. Like it puts you, it gives you an opportunity to really find out. And I hate the the thing of like find yourself travel. Like, yeah. But in the sense that it's you're going to be exposed to things that you've never been exposed to and your ability to deal with ambiguity and like controversy and struggle is real. Like, yeah, like, you can't call AAA. Like there's no, <laughs> remember when we, we were doing the Haijang loop and uh, we were riding on, it was like a dirt road. Oh, and it was my, just all the bumps. The back of my thing broke and off. And your, your rack broke I had, off. I had so many bike problems. You, my whole, <laughs> so you put all your bags on the back of your little, these little like, I don't know, 125 cc motorbikes i don't yeah. know if they were that much i think they were 100 i don't know so. maybe 100 and like you they don't have roads at that point like there was not a road you're just and it it's not like dirt. gravel it's just dirt with rocks it's like jagged rocks and you just got to try to maneuver through it and i like hit a huge bump my whole <laughs> the whole back of my bike where my luggage was broke off and was just like on my tire and so we had to like take your bags and you basically like almost pu pretty much pushed your bike out until we could find someone that could like weld it and like yeah. reinforce it. And like just things like that, that create an opportunity for you to like become a better person yeah. in the moment you're upset. And in the moment it's like, you're struggling, yeah. but it's like, you look back on that and go, wow. Like, yeah. Like I would love to have that day back. Even though that day sucked. I think the worst part of that whole biking thing was when I got, uh, gastroenteritis entritis or whatever how in you uh, say it? Hue? no i got it in uh fong na uh, but remember i was like dude i don't feel good uh but i was like we gotta go we stayed at easy tiger yes right yeah but then i but i was like dude i don't feel good i think i'm gonna go to bed and i woke up and i was like i'm not feeling good and i was like dude i don't think we can leave and it started raining and so then we were just sitting at the hostel and i was like Ugh. i was like we gotta go like we have to get to Hue. So we got on the bikes and then my body started giving out and my yeah. back yep. and I would have to stop like every 20 minutes and lay down for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, dude, I can't make it, man. Like, I was like, I'm just going to get a hotel here. Like I, I can't keep going. But I, and little did I know I had got sick that day. I was sick for like the next four or five days yeah. and I was just stuck in bed. But it was like when my body was shutting down, but it was like, we have to keep driving. Like, and it got to a point and I, I've never like, been to this point where I was like, I don't care if I get in a wreck and die. I didn't care. I was just going and we were getting so close to Hue. And I was like, I don't care if I die right now. Like I was like going so fast. I was like, we just got to get there. I have to lay down because my back, because I have back issues anyways. But then like this was like weakening my body big time to where then like my back, like my back's hurting right now. But this was like, I don't know, four hours on these motorbikes and just sitting up because all of our bags, our bikes are so small. They're like pushed up against mm -hmm. our back. So we're like sitting straight up. You can't really like slouch. I would like have to like lean over. And that was the first time I was like, I legitimately do not care if I get in a bike accident and die right now. And then that's why I had to pull over. I was like, dude, I cannot keep going. And then we let, we sat there for an hour and then we made like the last 15 minutes of the drive. It's, and it's crazy because like that, <laughs> To, to have felt that, to know, like, like, like we were saying, like the light's always on. There's always a stimulus. It's like, like if you're uncomfortable or you don't feel good, like at your job, like you take sick day yeah. or you like, you, you work from home that day or like what it's like, 
we have so many things that allow you to be comfortable in the Western world. And yeah. it's like traveling can put you in such a raw state, like that really shows you who you are, like from the standpoint of completely broken down. Yeah. Like you, you don't have, like you're saying we're, we're broke down in the North of Vietnam on a dirt road, like, and no one speaks or English. You, you have your flat tire. We're at the bottom of a mountain. Oh my we, gosh. And the only village is up. And it literally the bottom of the you mountain. You can check out my YouTube and you can see this video of uh, Lena like, pushing sh- this bike with a huge flat tire up this like super steep mountain. And we had to stay in the village at the top that night. Yeah. It's, and it was uh Frazier and, and Jared went on to the yeah. next town. I think it was Da Nang. We, me and, and you were having a lot of bike problems. Yeah. It was not. Well, yeah, I had them later then, but it, but it's, and like you're saying, like, but that, you know, everything you do becomes normal. Like everything you do, I think is relative in that you do it long enough. It becomes normal. Yeah. Like, you get comfortable with uncomfortable things that in I, that sense, and, in, in that sense of what this, we're talking about with this travel stuff. It's like those really uncomfortable situations. You can deal with them because you've done it. Yeah. The multiple, times. the first time it happens, it's like devastating. Yeah. But the 10th time it happens, it's like, yeah. like, like you're saying, I mean, you're one of the very few people that I would travel with that that I know that, okay, we're flying one way into this place. Okay, I'm going to download the map. I'm going to check out the currency exchange rate. I'm going to find this. I'm going to get a SIM card. I'm going to do these things. I need to find out if a grab's available. I need to, like all these things. Okay, we're going to book the first night. Like we're yeah. going to stay in this city. Cool. Dun, dun, dun. Like all these things that just are now like automatic in my head. Yeah. That people, there are people, when I came back, you know, um, kind of like the call home thing. Uh, yeah, the phone call home. Phone call home. Um, it's like when you come back, people are like, "Oh, how could you do this?" Like, would and to me, I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, that's just normal." Well, it's just living life. It's just you got to figure, you got to refigure things out. It's like almost like going out into the world again, or or, or not going out. But it's like the first time you like drove a car, or the first time you drove on the highway, or the first time you had the freedom to go do these things. It's like things went wrong and you had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, now that's just, it's like the level two or three of that or whatever it is. It's like, and that's, I mean, that's exciting. Like driving a car is scary until you learn how to drive a car and you get comfortable. And now driving a car is not scary. So that's kind of, that's kind of the way I equate it to is like, that's, that's addicting. And maybe that's what I'm addicted to is like having that uncertainty, that nervousness and then harnessing it. And you're a better person because of that. Because now you're you're more comfortable in all these situations. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been homeless in in Sevilla, Spain. I've been homeless in Liverpool. It's like, like sounding being homeless. Like, oh, you don't have a place to stay. Like, that's like that's like probably the worst fear. Is like, how would you know where to stay? How would you know? It's like mm-hmm. that. Those things have happened. And it's like you figure it out. Like, and then it's not as daunting of a of a concept in your mind and you can handle those things better. And I think that's what I get addicted to with traveling is like, you just be, you just keep growing in all these areas and expounding your boundaries. It's like when you're a kid, you're scared to go to the street. And then like, I remember me growing up, I had boundaries. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but Mm -hmm. it's like, I've had boundaries. My dad's like, okay, when you're this age, you can go to the sidewalk. And when you're this age, you can go to the edge of the sidewalk. When you're this age, you can go down the street, but you can't go around the corner. Then when you're this age, you can go around the corner. And then at some age, you can go around the whole block. And then at some age, it's like, you just slowly, as 
expound your boundaries and you get comfortable with that. But the first time you get to do that by yourself, it's like kind of scary. Like you don't know what's out there, but then it's like going out there and ma- and essentially mastering that, not being afraid of that anymore. And then go to the next one. Like my thought is I kind of want to do more what I deem in my head, like more dangerous travel, mm-hmm. things that are super foreign to me. Like I was planning before coronavirus to go do West Africa, like Morocco down into Mauritania, uh, Senegal, Gambia. Like that's scary to me. Like I have no idea what's there, Yeah, but I would probably get there and be like, oh man, this is like, this is the same. Mm-hmm. And then keep going. It's like expanding that, expanding that. And then it's almost like shrinking the world down into, into something you're familiar with, like your hometown. And it's like, yeah, I'm comfortable going anywhere. It's like, maybe I know some places to not go at certain times mm-hmm. or to, or, you know, where to avoid or, or whatever it is, or where the fun part is or where like I want to go for a movie or, but that's like the whole world. It's like, where do I want to go? Where's the best beach? Where's the best mountain? Where's the best hiking trails? Where's all those things. It's like you, you shrink everything down and you like essentially try to master more of your domain. And then you just keep going until you die or you're satisfied. Well, I don't, and, I don't know. and the thing is, and I think, you know, I've been apl- applying to like adult jobs and I think one of the adult jobs, um, I think one of the most translatable skills that, you know, I think comes from traveling is exactly what you're saying. Like being able to look at a problem or look at a situation and break it down to its components, I think is extremely difficult to like go, okay, I'm in a new place or I'm in a new thing, or there's something, there's a skill that I don't have. Like I moved to Indonesia and I did not speak a lick of Indonesian. And I'm still to this day, like relatively conversational in Indonesian that without speaking it for nine months, that there oftentimes I have thoughts in my head that are Indonesian. Like, and I go, oh my gosh, I just, like I thought about chicken and in Indonesian. That's so weird. That, that you put yourself in a situation to learn and learn quickly by breaking things down of like, I lived in a Muslim village near a family that spoke 90% Indonesian. So I would go for dinner and, you know, go to these gatherings and people would be speaking Indonesian. And I'm like, I'm sitting here and I have no idea what's going on. Like, okay, let's break down a component. Like, what is the context of the situation? Okay, maybe they're talking about this. Okay. That word, I, I've heard that word before. What does it mean in this context? Like being able to identify small things that then kind of like the four-hour work week or four-hour body type mindset of Tim Ferriss. It's like, how do you take this big daunting thing, like going somewhere new or taking on a new position at a company and break it down? Like, because otherwise you feel this overwhelming thing where the fear of the overwhelming thing stops you from going and doing the overwhelming thing. But when you break it down to components and break it into these smaller things, like you're saying, like I remember our first time in Hoi An when I found that girl who made peanut butter and I was like, oh my gosh, like something I'm, I know and I'm familiar with, like yeah. raw peanut butter. And then we found a gym and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, like a nice gym. A nice, a proper gym. And that's. Don't say proper. You're not. You're not. Proper. You're not English. Um, but keep going. But the, the concept of like finding things that are familiar to you. Like just because someone's from Gambia or from Morocco or whatever, doesn't mean that they don't go to gyms or don't eat healthy food or have peanut butter or or have health care. Like that's one thing people don't get. It's like, well, what if I get sick? I'm like, they have doctors in other countries, weirdly enough. And a lot of them trained in the United States. If you're really worried about like having the best health care, I'm not saying the U S doesn't have the, the best health care providers 
in that sense, but a lot of them trained in the U.S. You can find them. You can find U.S. trained doctors. You just got to Google it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, like, that's one thing that keeps people. It's like, well, what if I get sick? What if this happens? It's like, one, you can go home. Two, they also have doctors there. Yeah. Like, I was sick. I went to the doctor. It cost me 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's like, they did an ultrasound on my stomach. And, like, things that would be way more expensive here. Well, and that, that's the thing is, like, people always find, and I see this a lot, um, people always find reasons to not do something, right? The, the I love the Thomas Edison thing where it's like he found the one way to make a light bulb, but he found 10,000 ways to, to not, not make, make a light bulb. Yeah. And it's like you can always find 10,000 reasons to not do something. Like it's it's easy to not do something. Yeah. Like, well, it's easy to not change and just stay in what you're doing. And and uh, I heard this. I don't know if it was Cam Haynes, but it's it's also easy to tear something down. Like what's really hard is to build something or to change. Like changing yourself, extremely hard. Like yeah. building something, extremely hard. The other day I was talking to Blake um, and we had a meeting uh, and I just had this sense or like this feeling. I was like, he kind of seems overwhelmed. Like something seems off. So I messaged him. And I'm like, hey man, like know that you're doing the right things. Know that, and he's uh, a friend of ours that's working towards building a creative agency and and um, kind of a marketing agency. And and I saw, like, you kind of, and I would say one of my skill sets is being able to read people fairly well, that I was like, something is off and he seems like he's struggling. I'm like, yo, man, just some words of encouragement. Like, you're doing the right things. Like, yeah. I know, like, I know it's difficult. Like I've been in difficult situations in jobs in abroad, like that I know you're struggling. Like, keep at it, man. Like you're yeah. doing you're doing all the right things. You're you just you, gotta wait. You've just gotta have patience. Like, yeah. And you you have to know that that sacrificing what you're sacrificing right now, like is ultimately gonna pay off for you in the future. Yeah. Like taking the time to and and that's the thing is people don't wanna struggle. Like people are afraid of the struggle. It's like in in anything like wrestling. Um, you know, I, I if you I was embrace the grind, baby. Like ETG, f- focusing on like the process of something. Yeah. Rather than becoming obsessed with the result, like yeah. people only see the result and they say, "I want that," but they don't see it's the iceberg mentality. Like you see the tip and you don't see what's underneath. Yeah. It's like it didn't take a day to, for someone to get there. Like it took. Uh, similar to uh, Roy Kramer posted that thing the other day and it was you don't pay me for how long it takes me you pay me for how long it took me to get here yeah like it's taken me three years to finally be truly confident in my ability as a yeah a videographer and a photographer and people go oh when can I get expect these photos it's like uh, a day from now and they're like really and you charge how much and it's like the reason you're getting these photos so fast is because I've I was like it. it could take two weeks if you want me to if that makes you uh, spending your money better, I'll I'll wait two weeks. And if you want me to take longer, I'll do it. If you if you're gonna punish me before for being more efficient, then I'll take longer. I'll be less efficient if you want me to. Like and and it's, that makes no sense. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like that that I've like I rem- I mean think about Greece. Like we shot in Greece for a month. That footage I might as well just delete off my external hard drive because yeah. I can't do. Anything with it. it was the first time we shot log. 
I yeah. think. And well, I was and like, we didn't know what how to expose anything. I didn't even know what expose. I didn't even know what a freaking and histogram that was, was. And for me, that was like a two years in. That was two years in of me trying to make videos. And I mean, I would make videos. They just weren't very good. Well, and that's what's crazy. It's like people don't see that. They only see what you are now. Yeah. They don't see what you were before. Well, and there's a, have you seen the movie The Founder on Netflix? Mm. It's about the founding of McDonald's. It's really good. It's like a movie. It's not a documentary. It's a movie. It's, it's lit. It, you should watch it. I like it. But in there, there's a part where Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, who didn't find McDonald's, if you watch the movie, um, is talking to the people who did find the McDonald's or did find McDonald's. It, I think their last name is McDonald. And, and they were telling them the story of how they had this idea of fast food. And for so long, it didn't work. 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 And they're like, and then just one day they had this, they had an unveiling. It didn't go well. They thought they were going to shut down. And then people just, one kid came and they fired up the grill. And then, I mean, and this is probably the movie. They're exaggerating it mm-hmm. a little bit, but then like, then more people came, then more people came, then more people came. And they said, we became an over, it took us 20 years to become an overnight success. It's like, we were, we were an overnight success 20 years in the making. Because mm-hmm. they had 20 years of failed restaurants, but the same idea and they just kept going with it and refining it and making it better and refining it. And it's like, it's McDonald's. Now it's by far the biggest restaurant in the world. Every day it feeds 1% of the world population. Every day. That's insane. Yeah. But it's like, it took us 20 years to become an overnight success. And I've heard that with other people, other people saying that too. It's like, yeah, it's going to take a while and then it will click. And then people will say, oh, it just happened out of nowhere. It's like, no, it didn't. Like, actually, I failed and did, did like free work and bad work and all these things for so long. Well, and that's why I think it's hard to, and I think we've said it a couple times when we were in Asia and not that by any stretch of the means we were like doing any crazy big jobs that were like super elaborate, massive budgets or anything. But I remember being like, we should take a moment and just realize like we, we have a client who's in five countries yeah, like that we're traveling with doing some amazing tours. And like some of these things that we probably would have never experienced because we're too cheap. It's just like to be grateful to come from our first client being like a Euro shop on the Island of Eos. Yeah. And not even, we got free and we coffee. Just, we just got free coffee for that. Like, to then, like, moving into a, like, actual company that, yeah, like, the biggest, probably the biggest hostel chain in Southeast Asia, it's like, that didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Like, and not saying that it was, uh, you know, 20 years, but it's learning and trying and, like, failing a lot. Like, yep. failing often. It's like fail up. Yeah, it's, it's the word. I remember the saying. you were doing uh, the Travel Academy, TVA. Uh, yeah. The Thomas Alex Norman. Check him out. YouTube. Put he's, link, got, he's link, got a new thing. He's got a new thing. It's pretty cool. He added me to it because I, I was in the other one for so long. I saw his, uh, I saw he had a recent video. I forget what it was. Yeah, I can't. I didn't see it. Um, it was I a will. paid sponsor for something. Um, yeah. But he, uh, you, we were color grading your footage. And I remember it was when you had the Zune Crane. And you were, we were getting shots for his, uh, my like home video or. Yeah. Uh, it was like a competition he had to win something. And we, I, we didn't win cause of the color grading so bad. Yeah. And I just remember being like, 
looking at the colors and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, they the... do the exposure so bad. I'm and like, like ah. everyone's skin is pink. I'm like, what is going well, on? And the thing is, is it would be easy to just go back to non-manual settings. Yeah. Don't shoot log. Don't Now, you're not going to get better. You're not going to learn how to master these things, but it, mm-hmm. but it would have looked better then. Maybe I would have won that competition. It's like, but no, like we have to keep making bad videos and that pisses you off enough to learn how to do a little thing better. Do one small thing better. And that was maybe an exposure setting or whatever it was. And it's like, yep, spend a lot of time to a lot of time making bad stuff. And it's just slowly gets less bad. Exactly. It's like, I think, I think my learning curve was a little like steeper than a lot of other people's maybe with, especially with camera settings and stuff like that. Mm. Like, I think you can get a lot better, a lot faster than I did, but it's like, if you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going and you don't quit. And it's like, we were talking about this before the podcast started about, I want I'm going to start flying FPV. And it's like the thing with FPV, which is like, if you look up, I don't know who should you throw out there. Uh, Sam Colder. Sam, Sam Colder, best well, drone clips, has 2020. It, but he didn't fly those. Johnny FPV or Andrew FPV, like Mike you, Visuals does a ton of FPV. Yeah, and it's like if you look at that, it's like so next level. But it's like that's a eight month commitment, probably minimum, to be able to get anything like that. And that's eight months of just spending a lot of time, a lot failing, of a lot of money, and like failing, failing, failing. But it's like that's that's why it's hard to. That's why. If you make it through that, you're at a whole nother level because everyone quits because yep. it's expensive and it's and you're not going to get any return for a very long time on it. Your cost of entry is very high. Yes. And that's and that's true for a lot. I mean, that's but it's I, probably not even the cost as much as because people buy drones for the same amount of money. Well, it's but uh, drones are easy to fly and everyone has them now. I mean, it's like uh, cost of entry, like time wise. too. Yeah. And like, time wise is where it is. It's time and effort and like. Yep, you crash, you crash, you crash, you crash. You got to fix it, you crash, you fix it, you crash. It's like, it's going to be really annoying and very frustrating, but it's like, it will be worth it because there's not many people who come out of that, come out on the end and be able to do it. Well, and that's that's the difference between photography and video too. I mean, yeah. and I would say video and FPV or, yeah. you know. I mean, it just any, keep tear, it keeps it just, tearing up, there's but at levels. the top, there's a great, there's a really good place at the top for living a life if that's the life you want to live. Like living that lifestyle of being creative, being passionate, and loving, literally loving what you do to so much to where you don't feel like you're working. Yep. But yet you're getting paid somehow. And it's like, it's going to take a while to get there. And and I've been asked by so many people, like, when are you going to get a real job? It's like, never. Like, I'm going to keep doing this. Now, I'll, I'll do things for money to keep living. Mm-hmm. Until I get where I'm loving everything I do, but it's like, I, I'm not willing to sacrifice my happiness in that sense. Like a lot of people do for convenience and for money. And then with money, you get status. And it's like, I'll, I would much rather have less of those things now to be not feeling like I ever have to work in my life. And you later. also, you also get comfort too with, with money. It's like, like you get this job and you get this thing and it's like then now you don't got to worry about things now you don't have to worry about things and it's like then you become comfortable with your routine and you settle in and then like next thing you know you're 20 years down the road and you're not happy or you're miserable it's like all these things that compound and it's like i will never look at quitting my job and like trying something new like 20 years from now even if i never travel again like that 
that looking back on the experience of the, the two plus years I had, like off and on traveling with you, but also yeah. traveling by myself, that that those like even just now, like how many memories have we brought up just from Vietnam yeah. alone? It's like, and I I don't know if you do this. Like sometimes I go back and I'll I'll be on YouTube trying to get into a creative mode, like um working on a project and I'm stuck. And I'll go back and I'll watch some old videos of mine. And I'm just like, man, I was so bad. But but I'm like, oh my gosh, remember like we were in Mykonos and like this was happening, like yeah. this and that. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, like oh, we dude, stayed in so a funny. the yurt, like that, the how sweaty yurt, how mad I was at you that we were staying in a glorified canvas tent for like $40 and a night. the only canvas tent that didn't have a covering. So <laughs> the sun just beat down on it and we were just drenched in sweat all the time. <laughs> like stuff like that, that I will never forget yeah. that it's just like, man, like, like those, those are the things that I know. I'm like, no matter what, like I in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to be okay. Like you're saying like, yeah, you figure it out. Like when you need money, like I just upgraded my camera and it's like, I figured out a way to make money so I could upgrade cameras because I was like, I need to get a better camera as I'm like approaching these clients, um, to step my game up because now I, now I understand. And I know it's not about the gear, but now I understand like what it means to have 10 bit footage or what it means. Like, to have a camera that has the capabilities to shoot S log and understanding like what all the, these fancy features and gizmos and gadgets that come with a camera or come with a lens or come with some type of thing that I can go, Oh my gosh, I can now take advantage of this Yeah, because I have the skill set. I developed the skill set before I got the gear. Yeah. And at some point it's like, it's worth getting something better when you're getting more serious about, about that. And it's like, you've kind of, not fully outgrown. Not, you're better than that camera, but it's like I I fully realize the benefit of having a better camera. Mm-hmm. It's like until you fully realize why you need to upgrade. Like I'm thinking about these FPV drones, and I've been on some online like discussion boards on Facebook, and people are like, "Oh, start with this," and I'm like, "Well, should I just like jump right in and get like the main like the big thing?" And they're like, "Start with the small one until you're comfortable, and you'll grow out of that." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and and. A part of me is like, no, I just want to get to the big thing right away. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, they're probably right. Like, they know more about this. It's like, it's probably not about the drone. It's more about all these other things. And then eventually, it, once it is about the drone, then I can upgrade. Mm-hmm. And then I can go and do these other things. So it's just, but then trying to apply it, it's like I get back in that other mindset of like, it, the gear matters. Yep. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it does. For me right now, with that, obviously, it doesn't matter because I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So... I think those, those, yeah, that's, that's a good thing to like learn and then try to apply to other things. And it's something that we took a long road to learning when it'd have been nice to have like a mentor, somebody who knew what they're doing from the beginning to just like, no, 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 this is literally like little things, Yeah, but it takes you months to learn a little thing or to fully comprehend that. And learning your style and like kind of what you like and what you don't like. And yeah. Like, and people probably think of it as a joke, but I mean, I don't know how many hours I've spent on YouTube of just yeah. watching videos of people going, I like this. I don't like this. Yeah. Changing like, uh, nope, don't want to do that. Oh, I like this. Like, oh no, that's not good. Like, yeah. and it's the, the thing I love about fo- photo and video is it's never ending. Like there's always a deeper rabbit hole that you can go down. Like just the other day I was like, I'm still experimenting with like split toning and like, yeah, all these like the HSL sliders where I'm like, 
oh, like maybe if I manipulate this, like this will change this with the split tone. And then like going back into my, like all these different like technical aspects that on an application that I've been using for three years. Yeah. That it's yeah. like how, and now, I mean, I'm at the point where I pretty much only use my own LUTs that I've made. And it's like, I, when I first started out, I remember when we got Peter McKinnon's LUT pack in Greece and yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, like pictures can look like this. Th like what is he's doing this thing and he's dragging the shadows up. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, like, and you just learn so much. Like I think the learning part is the most exciting for me when I'm just like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like literally I sent you a picture yesterday. I was like, hey, what do you think? And you're like, put some clouds in there. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I didn't think of that. It's not because I've never done that before. Mm. But I was just like, I wasn't in that headspace. I was in this totally different thinking different thing and you're like hey do this and it literally made that picture pop so much more like it went from an okay picture to like um to a picture that i'm like this is actually pretty sick like i wasn't that excited about it and mm -hmm. then i saw that and i was like i was like oh yeah i can just throw that in there and i think that's a big part of being around other people like who are doing the same thing as you and that's really hard to find in nebraska and especially in lincoln and like that's that's the next step like that's I have to make sure wherever I go and whatever I do, I have people there to shoot with and to be with and to like bounce ideas off. And like literally when me and Ethan just went on that, we got a buddy, Ethan, who we met in uh, Asia and he's from Colorado and me and him went on a Nebraska road trip. And it was like, we each like probably picked up a, like one or two things from each other that was like, Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that angle or I didn't know that camera setting or mm -hmm. like, Oh yeah, that, like that would look cool. Or like, hey, go back there and do this, and you're just like, in the in that constant, like, figuring out phase with somebody else, and like challenging and pushing each other, but at the same time, like working together to try to like both become better. Because there's so much room for, like, growth for everyone. It's like one of those like I see on Joe Rogan and all, all these comedians' podcasts. It's like. They they talk about other comedians getting jealous, and they're like, man, the better I do, the better you do. Like yep. the better you do as a comedian, the better comedy does, which opens it up to me. Like if no, if I was, if you were the only video maker in the world, like there's probably not going to be a big market for video for that reason. It's mm -hmm. like the more videographers there are out there or the more photographers or whatever it is, it, it is, it like shows the need for it, which then opens more people up to being like, yeah, I get why this works, but it's kind of hard if you're the only one doing something to explain the value of that to other people if they don't see it. But if they see it everywhere, it's like, yeah, it's better for everybody. Well, and that's what, uh, so the video I was watching this morning of Daniel Schiffer was talking about one of the, the biggest things that's changed in his mind is that he doesn't view other photographers and videographers as competition. It's like an opportunity. Like, how do I learn? How do I grow? But like working with other people, always networking with other people to say, and kind of, I mean, his earlier point was like specializing. Like I'm not a wedding videographer. I'm not a wedding photographer. That's, yeah. not, that's not what I want to do. That's not my goal. But like tons of people ask me to do wedding stuff yeah. and now I'm getting connected with wedding people. Like, Hey, you need engagement. Like I just had three people ask me for engagement shoot yeah. that want to get done in this style. Like, I know that's your thing. Yeah. Here's their number. Yeah. Like that helping grow the community rather than like fending off everyone and sectioning off your chunk to feel safe and say like, Oh no, these are my clients. Like I'm protected, blah, blah, blah. And it's like human nature. It's like, yeah protecting your family type of thing. Well, and everybody has a different style. And it's like, if you can pick up one little thing from them, it's like, you just got better. Mm. Whether, whether you're better than them or not, 
And it does, that doesn't even matter. It's like you can learn something from everyone and everyone has their own eye for something different. Mm -hmm. It's like, why would you not want that? Like, imagine if you could have all your favorite videographers vision in your head and then mix that into whatever that becomes. It's like, yeah, you can do that if you hung around all of them and, and you picked up all those things from them, then you can create this new thing that has maybe a combination of those ideas with your own vision and your own ideas. And, and you're not copying, you're just like, you're just picking up different ideas and just different ways to, to view things. And I think that is something that a lot of people, they get jealous of. And I don't really understand that too much, but it's just, yeah. Like I, I think the part for me is like the exciting and figuring something out. Like when we were in Asia, we were just constantly like learning to do different things. Like I remember learning to do a hyperlapse and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And then you put like 20 of them in a video. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. you learn a new skill and, and it's like, like, oh, I want to keep oh, doing I wanna, it. Like, I like, like, okay, well maybe that was too much. But it's like, that was cool at the time. It's like, now I'm getting better at doing those so I can think about that in a better way. And and I, I think that's what's also super addicting is like, you just got, you just keep growing and the more you do it, the better you get. And I always mm -hmm. thought that was weird. I, I thought photography was something that you are born with or you're not. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, like you can learn how to be a good photographer just by taking pictures and people are like, just go out and take pictures, take pictures. And then when you have to go and edit them, you're like, oh, this sucks. Yep. You're like, oh, it could be better. It's like, oh, well, how do you get that? And you're thinking about things differently. And, and yeah, so I guess that's, that's, uh, I don't even know what we're talking about right now, but I, well, and <laughs> what the point of all this is but. like, <laughs> I mean, to come back to doing difficult things, it's like, like all of that and everything we've talked about has led us to where we're at now. Like now, uh, so I just did a shoot with uh, stories coffee in Omaha. Um, and I, I don't know if you feel this way when you take photos. I barely even look at my histogram. I used to always live or die by my histogram. Yeah. When I first learned it. Now I can look at, I look through my lens and I go, yeah, something's off. I go couple settings here, change it. Okay. Now we're okay. Yeah. Like, no, it's like almost a gut feeling of like, I know what, what is what right. What you're working with, what yeah, you're like, dealing with, what is right and what's wrong on my settings. And I've, I've had this camera for two months, yeah, a month. And I'm like, I inherently know what settings I want and what settings I need to change to know what is going to look good and what I can fix in post because I've done the opposite. Like yeah. I've, I've shot really contrasty things and had the background blown out in the foreground underexposed or overexposed or, but it's all a learning process. Like yeah. going through things that are difficult that take time to learn. Well, and then you come out on the other side doing getting good at something you really enjoy. And that's, I think that to me is like the thing I can't give up or get away from is like, there's very few people who get to do a job that they really love to do. And I, I was hearing Jordan Peterson talk about that. Cause he's talking about responsibility. And I was kind of thinking about like, how can I take on more responsibility? Cause he's like, cause he kind of has more of the, like, you're not going to be happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, when I'm traveling, I'm happy most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in a, my favorite place. And, and he was saying how like very few people do a job that is very satisfying and they really love to do what they do. Mm -hmm. You can, you can do it, but it's very, very few people. And I'm like, okay, so it can be done. Cause like, that's, that's what I'm going for. Like, and I'm not going to sacrifice going for that until I absolutely have to. For whatever reason. And it's like, just keep pushing. Just keep getting better. Just don't don't care about your what what other people in your life are doing. And like maybe they bought a new really nice house or their business 
is doing really well and they're making all this money and they're doing all these things, it's like, that's not, that's not going to ultimately make me happy. What's going to make me happy is essentially never having to work. Mm. And a lot of people say that. And it's like, no, like if you set your life up right, like it's not a mistake what a lot of these people did. A lot of people are like, well, you don't have as much, you don't have as much drama to deal with. You don't have as much stress in my life. I'm like, do you think that's by accident? Like, do you think that just, I lucked into not having stress? It's like, I, I've worked hard and sacrificed a lot of other things to live a life of no stress. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening to uh, Joe Rogan talk about, they're talking about um, Warren Buffett and how, how crappy Warren Buffett eats. And it's like, he's doing, he's in really good health because, but he eats so bad. He eats like Dairy Queen every day and McDonald's and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, how, how is a guy that old who eats that bad, like in such good shape? in the sense of like, he's doing really well. And they're just like, he has no stress. Like he probably has very little stress. And, and I don't think people take into account the amount of harm that stress, extreme stress does to your life. Like, I I think that's probably the thing that kills most people. I mean, look at, this is a, this is a pretty extreme example, but when the whole Sandusky thing happened at Penn State, Joe Paterno was the head coach at Penn State. Super old. He gets wrapped up in it and he gets fired. Within two months of that, being the head coach on the sidelines of Penn State, he's dead. And they said literally stress killed him. Mm-hmm. Stress is why he died. He was doing great. Fine health. Didn't have any, didn't really have any health issues. Dead within two months after he got fired and all these people are dragging his name through the mud and all these, all these other things. And I'm not here to talk about that, but it's like stress will kill you. Like it can. It can, it will change the way your body works it will like you'll you'll be more susceptible to disease you'll you'll have all these other things it's like lack of sleep and stress are the two biggest killers of people i think and that's in that sense it's so bad for you well and do you know the chemical cortisol i mean so i've heard of it so cortisol is i ain't one of them cymatologists like the concept is that uh let's say you're a deer right and you're hanging out with your deer friends and there's like 40 of you and you're all sitting in a field just hanging and there's a noise. You hear like a scratch. And all of a sudden, Tom sticks his head up and he's like, yo, what was that? Was that a lion? Was that a tiger? What's going on? Like, do we got some animals out here? Cortisol kicks in. So it's basically your your stress um, chemical that happens to put you in a fight or flight or freeze mode that accesses your lizard brain. So cortisol is released. And what happens when cortisol is released is a lot of other functions in your body stop. So um, at that time, because you're determining if this is a threat, your fingernails stop growing, right? So you're like, okay, body is saying, we don't need to worry about your fingernails growing. We don't need to worry about your hair growing. Um, We don't need to worry about these things that are going on that are normal daily functions when you're not in a stress mode Yeah. that keep you alive. Because right now we have an imminent threat that could potentially kill us. Yeah. And- as soon as Tom feels that, Dave next door looks at Tom and goes, uh-oh, Tom's head's up. Now my head's up because I don't know if I heard anything, but Tom heard something. So yeah. I'm going to look where Tom's looking. And now the group, for what went from one person to having cortisol in their system went to 40 people having cortisol in their system. And now we're all in this fight or flight mode because we think there's a lion chilling over in these weeds. Yeah. And maybe you wait a little bit, cortisol still getting released. 
that then you find out it was just a bug, cortisol goes back down, your body returns to normal. Yeah. But most people, especially in high stress positions like these executive positions or even sales positions, just jobs that are there's a lot of pressure or a anything lot of, that stresses you out, that stresses you out, that puts you in the state of constant cortisol release is what kills you. So Simon Sinek does a, a breakdown of uh, basically our jobs are killing us because people are going to work unhappy. They're going to work unfulfilled, like all these things that contribute to being in a stress state that releases cortisol that damages our body over time that then, I mean, look at, I mean, look at the aging pictures for presidents. Oh yeah. Like it is insane. Yeah. Look at Obama. He looks like 28 going in and he looks 68 coming out. It's a, and it's a chemical that is naturally produced for things like that to understand like this is an imminent threat. Okay. We have to protect ourselves. Yeah. Like that's same thing with adrenaline. Like why someone can lift a car off of their kid who just got ran over. Yeah. Like your body has these crazy functions Mm -hmm. that are only supposed to be accessed so often yet. Nowadays, it's common that people have sleep problems. They have these stress, stress-induced headaches, stress-induced like organ failure. All these things that come from poor, like awareness of taking care of yourself. Yeah, and just I think a lot of it's prioritizing. Like, yeah, you like if you're making money, it's like what does it matter if you hate your life and you're stressed out mm-hmm. and you're slowly and you're dying quicker than you would be if you weren't. And it comes back to that Duncan Trussell quote. It's like there's a guy sitting next to a waterfall somewhere with no phone, not understanding how worried, how scared he should be right now. It's like, yep, it doesn't probably matter that much. Like as much as you think it does, it doesn't. And it, and not only that, you're making it way worse on yourself mm-hmm. by putting all this stock into who the president is or anything that's going on like that. Like have opinion. You vote. I think voting's great, but it should end there. And you should not think about it anymore. And it's like, I've had problems with that too, where I'm like, well, maybe it goes this way and goes this way. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just leave too. And like being gone, it's like, I wouldn't think about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I think, I don't even know where I was going with that actually. Well, so I want to segue into an, uh, somewhat of a what some people would call taboo topic but something that i struggled with early on during this covid thing um and kind of speaking of stress or speaking of all these things like talking about mental health so like like a lot of people don't have the awareness as i was saying like of what's going on in their life or what's stressing them out or what's causing them these this grief or this anxiety or these things that that kind of how we were talking before the podcast of how you're ready to get out. It's like, you want to make a change. You want to go somewhere, you know, having the wherewithal or the ability to look at yourself and go, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I need to make a change. Um, and in the early months of COVID, I had this like, not epiphany. I don't know what, what the negative version of an epiphany is, but a moment where for the first time in my life, I had never been so unsure of like where to go or what to do. And didn't have an option out. Like, um, like I wasn't, I had come back. I just found out that basically the islands I was going to move back to were going to get shut down. Um, Asia was closed. Europe was closed. We were starting to go to like stay at home orders. And like all these things were happening. And I'm just like, I have like 
no idea what's next for me or where I should go or what I should do and had like for the first time this like self-doubt creep into my life that I became obsessed with like ridiculous things like literally every day was routined like I'd wake up at this time I would read for an hour and a half I would then go run seven to ten miles and then I come home and I meal prep and I'd research and I'd like all these things where I was so regimented because I didn't know what to do because I had no option out mm-hmm. like and I don't know if you you've ever felt that way but like that for the first time because even traveling like a lot of traveling is unplanned and a lot of traveling is like spontaneous but it's like we were saying you pretty much live day by day of like I know what's going on tomorrow and I, I think I have a flight in like three weeks but yeah. like other than that it's all taxes like, due April 15th or whatever like and then from going from that spontaneity to the spontaneity of literally not being able to do anything well maybe I'll switch it up and go to the different Taco Bell today yeah like it it was the weirdest feeling of like feeling trapped with no way out yeah like, like and not that I, the Indonesian thing didn't work out. And I was like, okay, like, well, what's next? And there was just no, no prospects. way to like, no prospects. No, no one was hiring. Like people were getting laid off. I was living with my parents. Like all these things were just like collapsed down on me. And it was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like what, what if this just like, like, is this the end of the world? Like, and just felt this like true, like uncertainty and like having such a lack of like understanding about what's going on. And like, um, so there was a, a gal on Instagram who I followed. There were, there was a couple who was a van life and this girl was friends with this van life couple. Um, and they all got together and like talked about this, like right after COVID they were all back in Canada. Um, and they got basically trapped, like essentially the same thing of they had been living in Morocco living in their van, like traveling Africa. Oh, I think I saw um, this video or something. like. It was uh, Eamon and Beck. I don't know their name. But and Lee is I saw something gal. about they had to like sell their van or store it in Morocco. Yeah, they store they, it in Morocco yeah, and this. then they had to come back. And, yeah. and it was like, they like broke down in the video and were crying. And I was like, I was like, I totally understand what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Like this uncertainty and like, like she was living in her, I mean, her parents basically had like a basement apartment and just these things were, I messaged her and I was just like, and I kind of talked to her off and on now of just like, I didn't know what I was going to do or like where I was going to go. And like, I felt, I felt exactly what they felt like. And it was such a weird, especially for uh, an industry that's basically called unhappiness. Yeah. It it was terrible uh, that, that even, and just recently they were talking about this, like that, that YouTube is like the loneliest career path you could ever choose. Yeah. That, you're you're connected, but you're not connected. And well, especially when you can't be connected, like right now. Yeah, it's it's just so, it's so weird. Like, and to be able to like reach out to someone that I have never met, like, and probably will never meet. I don't know. Yeah. That to understand and empathize, like, yo, I get it. Yeah. Like, your life has drastically changed. Yeah. Like, I would I would say right now is the first time in since college that I can say I'm like unhappy. I've been so happy for so long. Mm. And it's like, because of this, because of what's going on, I can't leave. The weather's changed. I, there's nothing really for me here. Like there's a few things that just like storing up some money, but it was like when the weather was good, it was okay. Go Mm -hmm. to the lake. We can go out and do stuff. 
shoot it, whatever. Don't shoot it. Just have fun. Now it's like weather's changed. There's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Lincoln just went into 10 p.m. lockdown or 10 p.m. Everything has to shut at 10. There's nothing to do. So it's like, and I've been getting anxiety over the last like week, which I, which I don't do very often. Like almost never, I don't get, I, I almost never get anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've been getting it really bad. And I'm like, I'm just unhappy. Like I'm for the first time since college, I can say I'm unhappy. Yeah. And it's like, I got to change. Like there needs to be a change. And it's like that change will be coming soon. Like I'll be leaving uh, after Christmas to go somewhere, but it's like, it's going to suck till then. Like it's a month and a half away or something like that. And I'm like, I'm probably going to be unhappy until mm-hmm. then. Like I'll, I'll try to maintain that. And it's like, but I'm going to be unhappy. And it's like, especially when I'm not used to that, it's just, it's just can be stressful. And I'm like, I need to go. Like, I don't, I don't want to be unhappy. Like I have that feeling. I know what it's like again. And I'm like, Nope, this is definitely not what I want. And it's like, I don't care what I have to do to, to, to get, to go the other way from it to, to become happier. But it's like, I'm going to do it. And, and yeah, so like you were saying, like the lockdown, like in March and April, it was also pretty bad, but I also was sick for like half of that. Mm. And so then I was just kind of dealing with that. But then the summer came around and it was like fine. And then went to Mexico for a month, which was great. And then came home, did a few things like college football started. Like I like that and I'll watch that. But now it's like weather's changing. Like I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Now I now there's nothing for me here. There's literally nothing really for me. Well, and, so it's like and I by, gotta go. By that you're not saying like like there's not friend like you no. friends and family and like we're not saying Yeah, but but meaning I understand what you mean. I, I have no meaning to be yeah. here right now. Yeah. Like there's there's no there's really no reasons to stay. Like I'm going to miss people. Like mm-hmm. I have friends and family like I love them and I want to I like hanging out with them but it's like they're not going anywhere like like if not now, then when? Mm-hmm. Like there's no better time to do this, and it's like, and everyone knows that I leave all the time, and mm-hmm. so it's not like anything new there. But I'm just like, oh, this is unhappiness. Like I haven't felt this in a very long time, and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Like I was really stressed last year, so like last year coaching wrestling and doing those videos, I was kind of I was pretty unhappy then, mm-hmm. and I was pretty stressed then. So I guess that equates to, but that was because it was just like an overload of things to do. Mm-hmm. But yet I was still creating and I was still like, but it was just like, I got three days to turn this video around and I want to make it good. And like, there was a purpose while I was here. Mm-hmm. I had a reason. Now there's no reason. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I can, I'm making money here, but it's like one, I have money stored up Two, I can make money elsewhere too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and even if I'm not, it's like, I'm, I'm saving money in stress. Like maybe that's medical bills. In the future, down the line, something like that. Like, no, I, I, I'm a, I'm just, I guess I'm just a big believer in low stress. Well, for low stress, long term, you can have high stressful situations. We've had very high stressful situations mm-hmm. traveling that lasts for a few hours, mm-hmm. maybe a day. I got sick and that was maybe four or five days, but I wasn't even stressed. I was just sick. It's like, and, and your desires go down when you, when, when you have, such a simple life like that. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have the jealousy. You don't have all those, you don't have as much of that stuff. And it's like, your life is just, you're just a way better in a way better position, way healthier position. And I think our society doesn't value that as much as I value that. 
Well, and it's it's funny because, you know, as I've been applying for jobs and like interviewing and looking at even just salaries and just reflecting and thinking to myself, it's like I make I make a lot less money doing what I do now, like in oh, traveling yeah. and doing what I was like when I was in sales, I made good money that. Yeah. But how and this is something that I don't know how someone can measure this. How do you put a measure on? what we've talked about traveling, like to wake up and literally have the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, picking and choosing like clients you want to work with or don't want to work with, like uh, of being able to impulsively go, hey, you want to go to Hoi An today? Or like, hey, you want to go here today? Like, yeah, yeah let's do it. Like, and you, and one thing people don't fully grasp is like, you're a new person every day. You're not seeing the same people. I'm like, if we're traveling together, I see you every day. Mm-hmm. You're the only consistent. But thing. like, well, yeah, you're the only consistent thing. Also, it's like there's no reputation. There's no. no one day we can be if we want to mess around, we can be people who put stickers on bananas, exactly. or we can be like Tinder photographers, or we can like you can make up these things, and it's like that's so that's fun. It's like, but that opens your mind to like, you just you don't you don't care about things as much, and you can just live fully in the moment and it's like if i want to if i want to like mess around and and like joke with these people on this thing or whatever it is it's like mm-hmm. you can do that like you don't have that reputation you if you go and like you see a girl you like and you're like hey what's up and she's like get out of here baldy and i'm like oh okay like you don't that's it like it's done you're done like anything like that i mean just but you like anything you do it's like You'll never see or talk to that person ever again to where it's like you don't have that what whatever that thing is that you know, like your reputation at stake. And I think also, too, I mean, I don't know if you feel that this is the right word, but the expectation like Elon Musk said that happiness is reality minus expectation. Yeah. That it's like when you're in the uh, Western world, like you have um People often think that because you're talking to them or because you're interacting with them, you they want that you want something from them. Or like you're yeah. trying to gain an advantage or trying to be right or trying to whether it's a discussion, an argument, or you're trying to pick up a girl at a bar, or, that if you like you're saying, if I walk up to someone in Vietnam and I'm like, Hey, what's up? It can go one of two ways. They could say, Who the hell are you? Or they could be like, Nothing much, man. Like, how's it going? That I have I don't have the expectation that it's going to go poorly. I think everyone's a cool person until you're not. I mean, you taught me that. And that yeah. in the Western world, we have so many more expectations, especially surrounding interactions with people. Like you go to a bar and you hang out with the people that you're supposed to hang out with. Like you're a group of friends that have come with you. Uh, you don't really interact with other groups of friends. Uh, you also don't want to be like the weirdo on the dance floor dancing by yourself. Like you also, there's all these things that that come around like, either doing things by yourself or breaking outside of your group or like, and I can tell I've, I've changed a lot in that aspect that I've settled back into my old mindset. Whereas traveling, it's like, like you're saying every day you can be a different person. Not that we do that, but the, the every day is a new day. Like you see so many people, especially, I mean, we worked in hospitality. It's like so many people come through a business daily that it's like, New interactions, new people all the time, constant stimulus of how do I refine and become a better person or like 
learn from my experiences and well, and learn from them. And different, ex- they have different experiences. They have different stories. They have different things. Like since I've been home, I've met zero new people. Zero. Zero. I've I've met no one. I would meet. I've met more people in one day. You'll meet more people in one day traveling than four years being at home. And then that's every day. And it's like, if you don't want to meet people, that's fine. If you don't want to be social that day, then you don't. And you don't have to. Yeah, and you don't have to. But if you want to, it's like you can meet people from all over the world. And they have different experiences. They have different thoughts. You don't, You can learn about their home life. They learn about your home life. Like, especially coming from the Midwest in Nebraska, like most people haven't met people or anyone from Nebraska. We're pretty much the first person from Nebraska that anyone's ever met. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, they learn from us. We learn from them. Like, like that happens all the time and it's constant and and you just continue to grow and you have new exciting things where it's like here, it's like, I can tell you my friend's thoughts on almost everything. It's like, not that I don't enjoy hanging out with them or talking to them. I do. And we laugh and we have fun. And, and in some ways it's like, I can joke with them way better. And most ways I can joke with them way better, mm-hmm. but it's like, they, we know each other so well. There's not that much new stuff to talk about. I know their, I know their beliefs, their backgrounds. Like a lot of them grew up in the same city as me. So it's like, yeah, not that it's not that it's not fun or exciting to do or to hang out with them, but it's like it's just not. It's not growth. It's not. It's not getting better or learning anything new. And maybe, and maybe it's like a. Maybe these ideas that you hear from other people aren't good ideas, but it's different and you see a different side of it. Like I met, I just remember meeting this Russian from uh, in Indonesia my first time there and he was, he loved Vladimir Putin. And I was like, really? And a lot of people would go one way with that and just chastise him for whatever reason. And I'm like, no, it's like, why do you love Vladimir Putin? Like, I don't know any, I don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Like, why? And he would break it down. I'm like, oh, I get why somebody, I get why somebody would think that way. I'm not saying I do, but I understood where they were coming from. I'm like, oh yeah, I just learned that. It's like maybe, maybe that's not as foreign as I thought it was, or maybe like, or at least now it's not as foreign as I thought it was. And it's like things like that aren't going to happen at home. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's something that I, I, I'm big time lacking right now and i and something i'm very excited to get back to well and it's funny you say that because uh so i just flew to colorado um and on the flight home um person sitting next to me started talking to me and i was like oh my gosh like this is great yeah like i get it and we talked for i mean the flight is 52 minutes or whatever it is yeah we talked for like 45 minutes yeah and she uh was in her 60s um married had a few kids that were one younger than me, one about my age. Um, and we just talked about everything, like from communication to beliefs to what's going on in the world to all these different things. And it's just like, at the end of the day, I gave her my business card, told her what I did and walked away. Like, yeah. said, hey, hope you like have a great rest of your life. Like, I don't know if I'll ever yeah. meet you again, but like those interactions are so refreshing mm-hmm. to like, and to have someone that isn't afraid to like, sit down and talk like i remember um in chesky krumov uh i was down staying at there's one of three hostels or two hostels there was staying there the innkeeper or the person like working the whatever i don't know what their titles are uh i stayed at a hostel i don't know which one it was though 
Yeah, uh, this one it had a dragon on the front door. I forget the name of it though. There, it might have been that one. There's only like two hostels in Chesky. Beautiful place. If you've never been to Chesky, oh, yeah. come awesome. Real nice. Um, but the uh, went there on your recommendation, and this gal was American. I forget where she was from. Somewhere west. Uh, so pretty liberal in my head. I was like, okay, I think she comes from a liberal background, like because you kind of. You can gauge it. You can gauge and make an assumption yeah. based off of things they're saying or where they're from. Um, you have a potential understanding of their upbringing because yeah. they're from a country that you know. Yeah. Um, so we started talking and, um, you know, back and forth and it got political pretty quick. And she goes, I think everyone should get paid the same regardless of the job they do. And I... I was like, okay, that's that's an idea. Um, let's let's break that down. So I said, you think a garbage man should get paid the same as a lawyer? She said, yes. And I said, in the Western world, like we incentivize education. Like the the more you educate yourself, the more you um, diversify your skill set, the more you're going to get paid. Yeah. Like, what incentive would anyone have to be a lawyer? She said, well, you would do it if you love it. And I'm like, okay, like, I. I don't necessarily agree with that. There's a lot more to go to this conversation, but I don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this. So I'm going to change the subject in my, this yeah. is all happening in my head. But from the standpoint of here, like I had never from being from Nebraska or even traveling, I had never heard someone say everyone should get paid the same regardless of what job you do. Yeah. And I was like, wow, maybe I should think through that. Kind of like even uh, talking about universal basic income. I know that Andrew Yang was a big thing. Yeah. Um, that even to this day, I still, I'm like, I just don't, there's so many things to think through. I need someone smarter than me or I need to do more research because I'm dumb. It's like, how do I better understand this or at least give it a shot? Because initially your gut reaction might be, yeah, that's terrible. Or like, what's wrong? Yeah. Well, and, and, and they have to go through that too. And it's kind of like a play it out situation in your head. And you just like essentially try to take yourself through what that would look like. And then a lot of times that can help you clear up an issue in your head where it's like, okay, so, you know, like in that case, it's like, would somebody go to school for like 10, 12 years or whatever it takes to be a doctor if they're getting paid the same to be a, I don't know, like a delivery driver. Cause that's something mm -hmm. that like, isn't probably that bad of a job. Like it'd be somewhat enjoyable, but it's like, uh, they'd probably do that other thing. Like we would have, yeah. And, but it's like you play that through in your head and mm -hmm. then they play that through and you just get better ideas. And it's also like you can just – you learn to not get emotional with that thing. So otherwise, you're not going to have any friends. Yeah. Like you're not, no one's going to want to be around you. Yeah. And so I think that's something that more people around here in the U.S. need to – they need to be around people who don't agree with them. Because then it's like, well, either we get into a yelling match and maybe that happens the first time. Maybe mm -hmm. that happens the second time. Maybe it happens the third time. But you're like, this is getting kind of exhausting with me just screaming at – people and then them screaming at me maybe i should go about it in another way yeah and like try to see their point of view and it's like you end up if you do it long enough you just end up becoming a better version of of yourself in the sense of you can deal with with the opposite of your beliefs you can deal with somebody who disagrees with you mm -hmm. and then that's where actual growth comes from in that sense. Well, and I think, and too, like, um, you know, often a place when I start discussing something like that with someone, like the first place I start is 
let's let's both understand what xyz means so like what does this word define what you're saying to me because here's what i think you mean yeah is that what you mean yeah that's a jordan peterson thing yeah the um i and i don't know if it was jordan peterson i heard someone else say this the uh um when you're in a discussion or in a conversation there's what you said what they heard what you thought they heard and what they thought you said yeah like so there's all these things because, and especially because listening is such a hard skill set to have, like being a good listener and being able to interpret and understand what people say and not yeah. hear a part of a sentence and then have a predetermined answer to then put someone in a box or write someone off or yeah, having these, I'm saying it again, nuanced discussions that we're going to have a nuance. You're going to have to go back and do a nuance counter. So, um, I think you're at like eight, you're at least at like nine, 10. Yeah. Right? I'm getting close to double digits, but you, you, you toned it down when I said something though. The, it's it's that though the the ability to like have those discussions and realize that maybe we don't agree like at the end of the day we've talked for two hours let's say we don't agree on something that doesn't mean I have to hate you yeah that's okay like if we all believe the same thing all the time it would be a really boring place yep and that's uh yeah that's something that it's a lot of people who just get set in their ways and and just because the United States is such a big country and it's so like packed in with, if you live in LA, you have no idea why somebody vote for Donald Trump. If you live in uh, Wyoming, you have no idea why somebody vote for Joe Biden. It's like, well, maybe you just don't know the right. You don't know enough people. Like, you haven't you haven't really explored your mind in that area. You haven't explored this idea that's going to shape you. In a better way. I'm not saying you have to change your mind, mm-hmm. but at least understand it and empathize with that thought and then like roll around in your head to figure out what you think is probably right. But well, and and coming back to the like, like maybe, maybe you haven't thought about it that way, or maybe like you're not going to change your mind, but. That's one aspect of hundreds of thousands of aspects that make up a human. Like yeah. that one thing does not define who. Like when people say that if you vote one way or something, or if you post this on Facebook, then we're not friends. Yeah, and it's to me it, to say something that rash. It's it's almost as if like how can you be that naive to sum up what a person is or who a person is based off of one one thing? opinion? Yeah. It's a very, uh, I think people who, who do that and have a, they, I mean, I think they just have something wrong in, in a sense, or, or they're very immature in a certain way where it's like, they just have a, they have not thought through that situation very well at all. And they don't really even mean it. And it's just like, it's emotional control that they don't have. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen that like crazy. I was loving all the people getting like freaking out about all this stuff. I really enjoyed it. And then at some point I was like, okay, like now I'm getting overwhelmed with this. And I just had to start snoozing everybody. Mm. Political posts, snooze 30 days. Yeah. And which is a great thing Facebook has. Just snooze people. Cause it's like, it affects your, your view on that person. And it shouldn't. Yeah. But it does. So that's your phone. 
She's so unprofessional. I don't. It's the homie Blake. Hey, it's about that. Oh. We just had music. So I'm working on a music video with him. First music yeah. video ever, and uh, I'm pumped. What kind of music? Uh, it's actually a really controversial song, but uh, um, and I actually don't know what style of music. It's really unique. I don't know how to. It's almost like. Is it country trap? Like. <laughs> is it like Old Town Road? <laughs> like, uh, like. Keep going. I gotta check my phone. I don't know what like the the true thing is it's like there's guitar and drums and it's catchy like i really like the beat and like the song itself is a little bit uh kind of divisive but like how do you feel how do you feel about that part of it um it's just a client you just it's a client and and it's a skill set i I'm opening like I've never yeah. edited music like I've learned so much in this process yeah I bet and like understanding okay how would I if I had to do this again now in my head I'm like oh like this is how I would do it yeah like this would be way better like yeah. I should have shot it like this do you like shooting music videos I or did you enjoy outside of like it being new is it something you'd want to keep doing yeah now yes I think, and well, also too, because I mean, I follow Roy Kramer and you do too. Like he's really gotten into that space too. Um, I mean, he was kind of always in the, he was more so festival or like touring, but he's been doing a ton of stuff for Justin Bieber. I almost feel like those aren't music videos though. I guess maybe they are. I guess I, they are. They are in the, in I don't the, think of them as music videos. I, I know. think of them as like just a regular video that has music with it, but it's like for that artist. So I guess, yeah. And it's it would, for a song. Like, it would be a music video, but it's. And maybe that's maybe I've been influenced in that way, but I would say that I came away from the project and went, "Oh wow, like that was cool." Like, and I've always, I mean, I've always wanted to shoot like a festival or something with music. That would or be like, cool. Like, and having done this, I'm like, "Oh, this now matching." Like, even just knowing, okay, we're doing a studio music video. Like, I need to get now these six shots because this is the way I'm going to edit it. And this is the B-roll I need to have. And this is the mm. stuff I need to get. Like, just all these things that... And it's true, I think, of anything. Like, any new project you take on or any new client, like, walking through, how do I get these shots? Like, what look... Like, when I shot that coffee shop, I knew in my head. I was like, these are the shots I'm going to get. Like, I know this looks good. Because how many times have I shot with a hostel and we've had to shoot their menu? Yeah. Or had to shoot their drinks? Yeah. Or had to shoot a tour? Where it's like, we need a stage shot like in the bus or yeah. on this. or do, It's like, we need to catch moments and catch emotions in each part of these things that portray what you're trying to portray in your ultimate message. Mm -hmm. Like, And that, uh, to kind of go big picture with videography or photography, it's like, you're trying to incite a feeling with someone through this art form. Like whether yeah. it be a song, like if you're an artist or a painting or a photo that you take or a video that you make. It's like you're trying to draw out this emotion or this action that someone could take from seeing what you're doing. And like, it was weird. I was talking to Blake um, about this the other day and he was like, videography isn't, and this might sound like weird and hippie like, but it's not just like the act of going out and shooting something kind of, kind of similar. We were talking about it before. Like, like, you know what you don't like to shoot. Like going, like shooting a wedding, there's nothing more that I do not want to do <laughs> yeah. than shoot a wedding. I know. Like, and I've never even shot a wedding. I just got offered one last week and I was like, or this week or whenever. I was like, 
no. <laughs> Which Sorry. and s- I was like, I just am not gonna do it. But some people love that. Yeah, and yeah, like, great that's for them. Awesome. Like, but when I think, and he was talking about it, the way we came, the conclusion we came to, it's like it's almost like religious or like some type of. It's like you view this thing as something so sacred or like something so. You're like, I feel super connected when I'm doing this. And like, so you hold it to a higher standard. Kind of like uh, like wrestling. He was trying to draw comparisons to wrestling. Like when I wrestle a bad wrestler, I know I'm I'm like, this is a bad wrestler. Like I know I'm, I'm not going to uh, put myself in a situation to like hurt myself or do mm-hmm. something. But when it's, when you're wrestling someone who, who gets it or like yeah. there's like a moment of like it clicks, like shooting hostels and stuff i'm like working with you i know i have all these moments and these ideas of oh let's do this or maybe we should try this angle or this transition would be really cool maybe we should try you just can feel kind of like an energy surrounding it where it's so positive and so like growth focused that it's something that i hold in high standard i'm like that's the type of work i want to do and not only do i want to do it but I want it to look really, really good. Like I want this to be a really good thing yeah. and I know it's going to change or alter because I'm putting so much effort into this. Mm-hmm. Like when we did the castaways video, like yeah. color grading that castaways video and like cut, doing different cuts and like yeah. all these things that went into that castaways video. It's like, that was, so, and it's it's not our best videography at all. No. like, But it captured the like. The raw emotion yeah. and like just remembering those moments like yeah going back and watching that video it's just like that was such an awesome yeah. time like going back and i mean that's the reason why we do it at least that's the reason i why i do it is like to go back and watch and be like man i that was so awesome like so much fun and i think we've talked about this a million times it's like that's the reason that's that's where you get your enjoyment from experiences mm-hmm. the lead up and remembering it's like in the moment you're you're not, you're having fun maybe, but you don't even really know it. You're just kind of there in the moment, and then it's like looking back on it is where you get the actual joy, and the lead up and the excitement of leaving, and all of that is where you get like mm-hmm. the the positive, the positive emotions of like, like this is gonna be so awesome. You get so much happiness from that, and then looking back and be like, dude, that was so funny. Like and we're laughing about these horrible experiences from Vietnam, but it's mm-hmm. like I would give anything to be back there right now. Yeah, like throughout one of the you know some of the worst stuff maybe not that bike ride yeah that i was sick on that was maybe not that one but like the other things it's just like now we're stuck in this little mountain village no one can speak any english and like you know when we had to stay there that night it's like oh cool now let's go try to find food and, and we like and like you have this it's like oh i stayed in this small little village we have no idea where it was like we didn't get it pinned i don't think unless our old cameras have like gps locations on where it was like we're not going to ever find what village that was and it, it, and it's like, oh, that was cool though. I, I stayed in that little village and and that was a super unique experience that you're not going to get on any tour and you're not going to get on, uh, like it's not going to be on any travel shows. It's not going to be on anything like that. It's like, yeah, but that was like really unique to our travel, our, our travel experience there. And even the two other people who we were with, they didn't have that experience, yep. but maybe they had a different experience that we didn't have that night. And like, that was really cool to them. And it's like, yeah, you just, you get, and then going back and remembering it, it's like, you get so much joy. And those are stories that you're going to be able to tell the rest of your life where it's like, I don't, I don't know if I have three stories I can tell from 
from when this whole lockdown thing started. Three three interesting stories. Every day goes by and it's like it's just whatever. Another day. Another day. And I'm just get all we're doing is getting older and it's like which which I used to think was a big deal. It's like I guess it doesn't really matter. It's like if I'm just if I'm truly believe what I believe in this, it's like this is never gonna end until I die or until like I get stricken with terminal cancer or something like mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing this and even then I'll do it. But then, you know, unless there's something like totally out of the ordinary, it's like, I want to keep searching for those experiences. Cause like, you never know, you never know when you're going to die. And it's, and there's that old, or oh, I don't know if it's an old quote or just a saying that it was like, why spend, and this is just like one of those cliche travel things that people say, but it's like, why spend the best years of your life working to maybe have freedom in the worst part of your life, doing something you could have done in the best part of your life. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what that's what I'm trying to avoid right now <coughs> is that I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to waste the best years of my life doing something I hate to maybe be able to do something in the worst years of my life when I'm retired. Mm-hmm. Like, not that those are those years can't be happy too, but it's like, I think everyone who's 70 wouldn't mind being 36. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people are that way. It's where it's like, yeah, you can move. You're more mobile. You can sleep less and do more. Or you can, you know, stay up later and go out and do all these different things where later you, maybe you can hike that mountain that you're not going to be able to hike when you're 65. Or you can take that tour or you can ba- do a gainer off that bridge. Or you can do all these things that you're not going to be able to do when you're older. And it's like, yeah, I would rather do them now and retiring to me. And it's like, especially if I'm consistently working towards something that's going to give me a livelihood the rest of my life that I love. It's like, I don't see, a, a, I don't see a downside to any of that. And I guess that's just the, the mindset that I've come to take to heart, like take it as gospel, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. And it's, that's why I'm like, I just, every time I play through the idea of like, not doing that, I'm like, oh, you know what? It would be nice to make 65 a year. I've gotten, I've gotten not decent job offers, shooting video around here for like pretty good money, like money that I can live the rest of my life on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I get really interested for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, let's go day one. What does day one look like? I wake up probably 8.30 get there. I go shoot. And it's like, that's fine. And it's like, then that's day one. You know, I go shoot and then maybe I start editing and maybe I have cool coworkers. Let's say this is the coolest one I can get right now. It's like, okay, I got cool coworkers. And then maybe like, maybe afterwards we go and we go to a bar for happy hour and get a couple of beers and I go home. Mm-hmm. Next day I do the same thing. Next day I do the same thing. Next day I do the same thing. And then I'm like four months down the line, I'm going to quit. And I know it. It's like, I know I'm going to quit and I'm just going to go back to do what I'm doing now. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I just wasted four months. It's like, uh, like I just, I, I can't get out of the, of that mindset. And it's like, I think that's something more people need to do in just the sense of play things through in your head. Like what is day one? What is day? What does one week look like? What does two weeks look like? What does four weeks look like? Like imagine that's every day. And are you going to be happy? And maybe the answer is yes, but for me, it's going to be no. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, what makes me feel most alive is waking up for sunrise and begone, me and Mar. I hate waking up early. Anyone who knows me knows I 
love to sleep in. But it's like that that is what gets my rocks off. Like I love that or I love the like we're, we got to get through these mountain passes on the Haijong Loop before sunset because then it's super dangerous to drive it dark, but yet we're stopping to like get these cool pictures or to get these videos. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's cool. Or the, you know, all these like little experiences along the way. It's like, that's the stuff that I'm just like, yeah, I wouldn't want to give that up for what? Like having two cars and maybe like a little bit bigger house or a really nice apartment or, or things like that. I'm like, that's just not the way I want to be. Right now, at least, maybe well, that maybe that'll change. Well, and it's funny, like um, when you when you look back on, like I look back on my three year career that I did the corporate life for before I quit, and like a lot of the days are kind of foggy. Like a lot of the there's a few things that stick out, and like there's some kind of like aha moments, but nothing like what I experienced to the level of detail that I can like call like I can literally call back on that experience that you were talking about my tire broke down I had to straddle this bike and walk it like two or three kilometers uphill on the side of this freaking mountain with a flat tire with all my gear tied to the back to go talk to a guy who didn't speak any English he he translated I don't know if you remember this he google translated asked if we had American money because he had never seen a $1 bill. Yeah. He just and wanted a $1 he bill. He wanted a $1 bill and we didn't have it. Yeah. And I wonder if we had coins. Do we have coins? Or I think something? we had, co- and we had some other currency, but we didn't have any American yeah. money on us. And like, then that night we found a place to stay. We, the guy didn't speak any English. We got a room that had one queen bed. We no, slept. this one had two, I think. No, we, are you was, sure? I'm a hundred percent sure. I thought there was a queen you, and then a twin. No, you were like, why, why did you get this? Cause I was like, that us. happened at one night. So, oh, yeah. Like, and we, so we go in and we pull our bikes in and it's nighttime. So like pitch black, we pull in, it's, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. We park or park our bikes underneath because most Vietnamese buildings, it's like super you know, tall super, and you can park your bikes inside because it rains a lot. And so we're sitting in there and then we get in the room and you're like, why didn't you ask for two beds? And I'm like, the guy doesn't speak English. Like we're just here for one night. It's whatever. So we fall asleep back to back, wake up. We, ne- were, we were a little snow. We went and got food and, and a few beers. Uh, oh, yes, we, we did. Yep. Place. yep. And then they had, uh, they were like they had super tigers. excited to see us. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so you could tell they didn't get a lot of foreigners staying in that little mountain village. And they only had a few that were cold because then we were drinking warm ones, I think. Yeah. Um, she was like, they're not cold. I'm like, we don't care. Yeah. Like, it's cool. And uh, so we ate, go to bed, sleep back to back, wake up. And I don't know what time it is. But I think like, I flipped over and we gave a little snuggly snug I, at one point. I'm. I probably okay. I punched you okay well, multiple times maybe he gets a little a little handsy yeah but so we wake up and I this I mean literally like I can it's crazy how well I can picture this in my head we go downstairs and I don't know if you remember this the whole it was an empty street with like maybe three or four buildings the whole street was a market yeah and it was raining yeah and we came down our bikes were gone I go I was like oh wow this is not good like. All our stuff. We had all our stuff, but we didn't have bikes. And it's literally a Vietnamese market in this like street, like the whole street, like down the thing. It was like I think because it was a Sunday, and I think they do like a Sunday market. So like we stayed Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I would, from what I'm remembering, and then so like the market was all over the place, and I assume people from other little villages came by. 
And it li- literally was like an empty street. There was like maybe five buildings on the street. Yeah. The whole, just tents set up, like people selling live chickens and like all this crazy. And I'm like, what is going on as it's raining? And then the guy who runs the hotel that we stayed at pops out of nowhere and is like, like, hey, your bikes. Like, I mean, he wasn't speaking English, yeah. but with his body language, he said, your bikes are over here. We go across the street. They're under like a little umbrella thing. Yeah. We we pack our bags and we head to Da Nang. Yeah. And I was like, Well, no, it wasn't Da Nang. Was it was Da Nang is like near Hawaii. It was uh it was like Dong Ha or something like that. It was cause that cause that was where it was pouring. Was that the place where the co- best raining. coffee is? What um, no no no. Where we stayed so. and it rained like five yes. days. Yeah. So we like had to go down. It was all downhill because we were literally at the top of this mountain. Yep. And it was pouring rain. And uh, we pull in, and that's where Fraz and well, we didn't know because we didn't have internet. Yeah. And so we didn't know where they stayed because they're just like, hey, we're gonna go to the next like, because we're like, we're not that far. We're just gonna go to the next place. And it was pouring so hard. We just like literally pulled in. It said like hostel, and we stopped there. And they were like, it's right there playing pool. And, like, yeah, we found the first. Place. And that was when uh, remember we were playing. I found my cowboy hat. Yeah, and, I found rattlesnake too. And that was they had a. It was like a floor. Yeah. yeah. We stand on the floor, and it was freezing yeah we were like in the mountains but they did and, have really nice warm beds and they had uh um a pool table i believe yeah and then we played uh never have i ever i think and we were messing with this one yeah, girl who I was american where she was from was she from the u.s i think it was she was Amer- she got so mad it was so funny i was wearing my overalls yeah i was just oh. wearing overalls with no shirt and my and my new rattlesnake cowboy hat that was fun yeah that see stuff like that. I'm like, how can I? And it was like so such vividly. A, yeah, and it was like such a bad like. Supposedly, a lot of people say like a bad travel experience, but it was like so interesting. Yeah, and it's like that's the cool stuff. That's the stuff I miss every day. That's not like, well, you know, like wing nights this night every Tuesday at this yeah. bar. And it's like not that I don't enjoy that sometimes, but it's like it gets old quick. Mm-hmm. Or it's just nothing new. It's not exciting. Not that I don't like it. It's just not. It's not exciting. There's there's no nothing different. And I guess one thing I was thinking about by just reading 12 Rules for Life about order and chaos. And it's like, I've discovered about myself, it's like, I need both. I really need chaos, but I can't have too much chaos, especially mm-hmm. anymore. Too much chaos is monsoon, losing my headphones, car, you know, bike breaking down, like too much chaos. Like, even though that's okay sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I can't live in that. I don't want to live in that state all the time. Yep. Even, like, dorm beds, trying to lock up lock up all of our gear every time we come in and come out. And yep. it's, like, because we have, you know, so much money worth of computers and camera gear and all this other stuff. It's, like, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't necessarily want to have to move that around and then, like, repack and pack and repack and move every day. And it's, like, I want to get order in the chaos. Like, I want the chaos of not being able to read the street sign and like explore a different part of the city or uh, meet new people. But I want the order of like, this is, we're getting an apartment for one month in this city. We have each have a room. We have like, we, we have a gym. Maybe if you want to go lift every day, like maybe there's some slight routine of mm-hmm. like, I'm going to edit in the mornings, then I'm going to lift and then we'll see what happens the rest of the day. And maybe that changes every now and then, but it's like, I need the order and I need the chaos. And there's got to be, it's both got to be combined. So it's like, this has been too much order. This has been 
too much to one. This way. has been since I've been home. It's been a year and a half, over a year and a half, about a year and a half mm-hmm. of almost nothing but order, and the chaos that's come in has not been good chaos. Yeah, and it's like. And the order I have isn't necessarily my favorite type of order. So it's like, I want to find the good order and the good chaos and then those combine. And it's like, that's why I need to get out of here and I need to like go somewhere else and experience those new things, which is the chaos. And that like makes me feel uneasy about things, but then harness that and control it. Like even just this summer, which I had a little bit of that when I went to Mexico, it's like renting a motorbike. And driving a motorbike on the highway in Mexico. I've rented motorbikes all over the place. I've owned them. But this was like, I've never driven in Mexico. That's just the only thing that's different. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's way different. I don't know. I've driven in Vietnam, which is way crazier. But it's like, it took me about, I was nervous. And it took me about four minutes to be like, okay, this is the same. Yeah. And that's another thing that's like, I'm super comfortable if I bought a motorcycle and drove through Mexico. I'd be totally fine with that. No, that would not bother me at all. The thought of that before then would bother me. So it's like, it's another thing I've become more comfortable with. And like, those are the things I just, I cannot wait to get back to, which is why it's going to be hard to like settle down for a, like long term for a little while in like Lincoln or like in somewhere around here where it's just so, I just know everything. Well, and that that's, one sense. it's funny because I mean, I'm coming up on just over 10 months <clears throat> of that and like, there's always a balance. And I was going to bring this up when we were talking about the unhappiness thing and kind of mental health and that I truly believe that in order to understand happiness or in order to understand fulfillment or in order to understand anything, there's always going to be some type of yin and yang balance of like, like things you, you don't like, like you have to do those things to then find out what you don't like. And then you do things to find out what you do like that. Like there's always a balance and like the relationship between chaos and order that Jordan Peterson talks about. It's like, I cannot, and that's where I really struggled, you know, in like April, May, June, July was I'm not used to this. I'm not able to deal with like so much consistency and so much, like I didn't know how to explain it that I was almost like, like overwhelmed with knowing what I'm going to do. Like I, I just... And it made me super, not depressed, but like, I was like bleak about the future. I'm like, this is what my life's going to be like living at my parents, seeing the same five people and nothing against the same five people. But it's like, like you're saying, I needed ambiguity. I needed something where I was like, this part of my life is certain. These things are uncertain. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and it, it was kind of like you're saying in Vietnam, that was one thing I really learned about myself traveling, especially traveling long-term was we got to Hoi An. And I could not have been happier to find peanut butter in a gym. And those were the only two things that were consistent. Everything else, a different tour almost every day, a different group of people almost Mm -hmm. every day, like different things that are constantly changing. And I mean, I find that in every country that I've lived in or every country that we stay in, it's like you find certain things that stay the same. And let's say I'm in somewhere where everything's overwhelming and I'm traveling with you. It's like, well, you're here. Like you're always here. So that's some order within the chaos that you learn to manage those things that are going on around you that uh, even finding solace in just one thing of, as I was saying earlier, like breaking things down of, I have all this overwhelming stimuli and I have all these things going on. And, you know, whether you're working for a big corporate company or you're living in Southeast Asia, it's like, 
you find those things that are consistent and give you comfort. And then you have things that you play to your tolerance of like my tolerance to deal with things that are ridiculous is relatively high. Mm -hmm. Like, and I would say probably similar to you that, yeah. that you learn that, but to not to like say a cle I forget what song it is, but to go cliche, it's like, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. Like that was a moment that hit me really hard when I was talking to that girl on Instagram. Yeah. It's like, like I didn't realize that, that this could ever go away. Like I never thought in a million years, like in my head, I was like, this is where I'm going. I'm moving back to Indonesia. Like, yeah, I'm going to dive again. I was working seven days a week. Like didn't care. Loved it. Loved what I was doing mm -hmm. until that was taken away. And it was something that you didn't think could get taken away. Like, and it's like, you're saying like, do you want to look back, you know, 50 years from now and say, I never tried or like, I never experienced it or, and not to say that everyone should travel, but from the standpoint of taking risks, like small risks, whether it's meeting someone new or like stepping out of your comfort zone, or I have friends that are starting small companies that to them, that's their risk. And it's awesome. It's awesome to see people push themselves mm -hmm. where, you know, maybe travel isn't the right answer or quitting your job isn't the right answer. Maybe it is, but yeah, to know or have the self-awareness to be able to look at yourself and go, this isn't right. What I'm doing isn't right. I don't think this is going to make me happy in the long term. I'm comfortable and I understand that. But I'm going to sacrifice that to go and maybe pursue something different. Or maybe instead of completely shelving one thing, it's okay, how do I maybe start this small thing that can give me some form of chaos in my life that I need because yeah. I feel too stagnant. You know, like the um, Atlanta Hawks owner that brought David Goggins. Yeah, in. yeah. Uh, forget his name. Um, I can't think of his name either. I'll come up with it. Keep talking. But it's, it's so weird to me, like that there's that balance. And I think it really sh became transparent when I Jesse traveled. Itzler. Yep. I didn't uh, look it Itzler. up by the way. Yeah. I remembered it. I was going to say, I, my brother has the book. Um, I lived with a Marine for, yeah. um, but it's a like constant back and forth. Like, and they talk about these principles in yoga and not to go all hippie, but like all these things that there's this balance and you, you really see it when you finally have the other thing. Yeah. When you finally feel the negative or you experience the negative or you're in the negative, mm -hmm. you really are so grateful for the opportunity for the positive. Yep. Well, yeah. And, uh, and I think just see, like you can learn from so many other people who've done all the mistakes and like, and, and just, I think that's something that podcasts have brought to me is just like take in a lot of other people's experiences because that's worth something because it's worth so much to them. It's like, I have a lot of experiences that were worth something to me and that could maybe be worth something to else if they want to know mm -hmm. somebody else, if they want to know, I'm like, I don't know if listen to this podcast or whatever, but it's like learn from other people's mistakes and like know that you don't know everything and the way that you see things maybe isn't the best way to see things. Cause I remember like, it's just in wrestling and stuff. It was like, people would give me advice on things and I'm like, I wouldn't take the advice. Mm -hmm. And I realize now I should have maybe taken the advice. And that's something that I've had to try to just be open to. And it's like, okay, this seems like this person lives a life that I admire. And this is what they're saying. Maybe that's like, let's blindly follow that for just a little bit and see how it turns out. Mm -hmm. And 
and that's led me to, I had another point, but I forget what it was. Um, oh no, I remember what it was. So pretty much just by you talking, you've decided that you're going to come and travel with me again. <laughs> yes. Good. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, I'm glad that's what this I podcast see. was about. Now well, Lena will be leaving with me in December and that feels good. To Mexico. Or wherever. Yeah. Or wherever, wherever, wherever it's going. Well, and, but that's the thing. It's like. Oh, oh. Is that you or is that me? No. Where'd you park? I parked out front. I think that's, I don't know whose red car that is. That's, is that the car that's going on? That sounds like it. Oh, oh, we're good. Okay. Okay, we're good. But it's a, it's, it's funny you say that. <laughs> I'm glad because, hey, you made that decision and that makes me happy. Here's the thing. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. And you'll see more of me and Matt doing more podcasts in a sunny, warmer location very soon. <laughs> the, it's the, one of the things that I was struggling with also and this is something that is still kind of on my mind because I haven't really made a decision of what I'm doing next, is that I, I've i been pondering three options. It's it's van life, travel the U.S., that, or go back abroad, travel with you or travel by myself, or move back to Colorado, settle back into the mountains. Boo. So, but the problem is this, that there hasn't, because of these lockdowns and because of like what's been going on, there hasn't been like a glaring option. And that I think was the reason that I was feeling sad or like having these problems was nothing was pulling me in any direction. Like I had no no chaos in my life. I had no stimulus and I didn't have any option to get out of it. Like because of the lockdowns and because of all these restrictions and all these things were, that were going on, it's it wasn't, a good space for me mentally. And I saw that and it took me a few months to realize, Oh, that's what it was. It's there wasn't an option out and I had too much order and there wasn't enough chaos. And I need that in my life. Like I would describe myself as a person who is somewhat hard to keep up with because I'm constantly wanting more. Like I want, I want something more from my life or I want to continually grow and not focus on this. Like, comfortability that 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 lull of like three months I felt that and it that's what killed me like not being able to change that situation because so much of your life is in your control like you were talking about changes making changes and that you're the you're the person that can make that change rather than pointing the finger to someone else to say you should change it's like how can you be a better person how can you struggle or like grow in these areas. Um, well, and, and the problem with blaming other people for anything is that it takes the ability to change it out of your hands. It's like, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast either, but Ricky Williams talks about in this, in his run, Ricky run documentary, he, he said that quote and it, and it really resonated with me because he was like, he had a bad childhood with his father. He had a bad relationship with his dad. And he's like, and maybe He's like, and I can't, I cannot blame him for my issues now mm -hmm. because if I do, then I can't do anything about it because it's on him. He's the reason it's happening. He's like, if I, if I put the blame on him, then I'm screwed. I can't do anything. And so it's like, take as much responsibility. I, I think it's a good thing to take as absolutely much as, as absolutely as much responsibility as you possibly can for anything that goes wrong in your life on you. Mm -hmm. Like even if it's even if it's five percent your fault that something happens, 
That's 5%. And that 5%, you can change. And, and if everyone does that, you're going to, I think people would be much better off. It's like, no, the reason for my situation, the reason my life sucks is because of me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to do with the president. Donald Trump didn't screw your life up. Joe Biden's not going to fix it. Like Barack Obama before that didn't screw your life up. It's like, it's all on you. All of it is on you. Mm-hmm. And, and if the people who have that mindset are the ones who are going to end up rising to the top because they're taking responsibility and they realize that it's like, no one's going to come here and just help me out for no reason. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you wouldn't even necessarily want that because now you're learning the wrong things and you're not actually, you're not actually growing yourself and you're not, you're not willing your way. Cause then it's on them that they, that you weren't successful because of you, you were successful because of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you didn't even do it. So you shouldn't even feel good about that. So it's like, as much as if you're going to take all the credit, you have to take all of the blame when it doesn't go right. And so it's like, yeah, there's probably some circumstances in your life that may be out of your control. But but how much but but how much responsibility can you possibly take out of that? Mm-hmm. And then you can change it. And it's like, you know what? This person reacted not the way I wanted them to, and maybe they did something that I didn't I didn't like, and I'm mad at them. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how can I how, how at all could I be different to affect that outcome next time? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not much, but at least it's something. And if you go in there and you have the conversation with that person and you're sharing the blame, and let's say they really screwed up, but you can take a little bit of it. That That's going to help them take their own responsibility for it, which was maybe the, the what needs to happen to fix the issue. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why when people are like, oh, your, your life's less stressful or they look at somebody else's life and they're just like, Oh man, they, they have it so lucky. I'm like, do they, or did it, or was it a lot of that intentional mm-hmm. is, does you like, are all these stressors in your life based upon your decisions or somebody else's decisions? Mm-hmm. Maybe yours, maybe your job sucks and maybe you don't like your coworkers and maybe, uh, work is rough. And it's like, well, this person and this person, this person, I'm like you choose to work there every day. Yeah. You do go there every day. It's like, maybe I'm not saying quit your job right now, but maybe, maybe the solution is to look for something new. Mm. If, if you're miserable in, in the state that you're in, it's like, change that, change what you can, you know, change what you can control, control mm. what you can control. And it's like, there's things that you won't be able to control, but, but do what you can and take as much responsibility as possible. I think, and, and that's something for me recently that has that has helped a lot. Like with any conflict I have with anybody, it's like, how's this my fault? Mm-hmm. As much as I can take. And, and it, it humbles you. And it's like, I almost would rather things be my fault. I don't want it to be somebody else's fault because mm-hmm. then I can't change it. It's like, if it's my fault, it's like, then it's me. Like I love when something goes wrong and it's like blatantly obvious it was me. It's like, you know what? That's great because now it can change. Mm-hmm. I can't dictate what they do. I can dictate what I do. So if it's wrong, I hope it's my fault. Because then it won't happen again. Or I can try and do whatever I can to make that not happen again. Well, and not to, I feel like a lot of things that go on in my head are cliches, but I think there's some truth to cliches that, yeah, like comparison is the thief of joy. If yep. all you constantly do is compare your life to other people's lives, yeah, like you're never going to be happy. Yeah. And that where someone is today is has no relevance or 
like indication of where you are today or are going to be tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's another rule I was going to say to not bring up more Jordan Peterson, but I mean, that book is it's, it's it should be mandatory reading for all high school students. I mean, it, it literally, I, I don't know if I could ever recommend a better book. Yeah. And so many rules people, for life by Jordan Peterson. That's what it is. So many people are naysayers of Jordan Peterson or, and of just all these things that could potentially be, you know, negative or, but take the book for what it is. It's a stance or an opinion of rules to live your life by that I think are very relevant to the topics we've been discussing of control what you can control. Yeah. Like change what you can change. Take responsibility for your actions. Stop blaming other people. Mm -hmm. Like how do you become better? Focus on you, not on what everyone else is doing. Yep. The and and compare yourself to who you are today, not to who somebody else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. Yeah, that's a rule. It's it's just a and uh, you know who Matt Como is like a huge Jordan Peterson fan. Yeah, um, if I think he's read it twice this year. I think anybody who like literally like really encounters his stuff is a fan. Like and people who actually take time to try to understand what he's saying, I think most of them are from fans. from like an objective standpoint. Yeah, because uh, and that's the other thing is is how do you take emotion out of stuff that that doesn't need to be emotional? That like you're saying, some of the rules are literally take them at face value of get your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Yeah, it's like what are the things that I can do so I have a better understanding or more empathy or more knowledge, or the ability to defend my position better, or articulate my thoughts better, rather than going out and criticizing everyone else saying they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. That just these things that are really self-reflective and really hard conversations to have with yourself. Yeah. That you, and especially at a young age, you know, I think the perfect time to read this is when you're 18. That yeah. it's the first time that you're legally able to do a whole lot of things. It's most people's, time when they first separate from their parents and that now you have all this stimuli and all this information that's out in the world that you can have in an in an instant and you have to decide because your parents are no longer telling you what to do Mm -hmm. like this book is not necessarily uh um you have to live by these principles but a a good starting point for a guideline to say you know what it's not defining your beliefs it's asking you to define your beliefs or yeah. like asking you to ensure you know what you're saying. You know, it's doing things that that overall just make you a better person. Yep. And I, and I think it it shatters a lot of natural responses to things. It's like nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to be the reason their life sucks. So much easier to blame somebody else like we were saying. It's like nope. Like take take responsibility for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and the good that comes with that, the bad that comes with that, it's, I think just the, a lot of those things have improved my life quite a bit. And, and just the way I interact with people and just the way I, I view things, I think and it's not like everything's perfect, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but it helps your relationships in it. And it, it's just growing up and it's learning. It's, it's, Something that you'll probably end up learning, it's just going to learn it a lot faster and it's going to make your life better. 
Maybe not easier, but it's going to make it better. And so probably in the short term, it's going to make it a lot harder. Because mm-hmm. now it's like you're confronting all these things that you've been running away from for so long. But uh, I just think it's something that is vital and it's been really useful to me, I guess. And and all, it, I guess all the things that I'm saying are just the way I see it or the way I view it. And it's like, if you don't view it or see it that way, that's great. Like, I'm not telling, I'm not telling anybody else how to live. Like, well, I just, these things have helped me. And I think that's, that's a rule that's fundamental is that you can live your life however you want to live your life. You can't tell other people how to live their lives. Yeah. I can speak about my relative experience. You know, if you ask for my opinion or you ask for my stance, like I can give you the best answer that I can with the knowledge that I currently have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that answer might be, I don't know, or I haven't thought that through, but to have the self-awareness or the, uh, what's the right word? Like the ability to humble yourself and say, Hey, I don't know. Like, like UBI, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what a lot of these things look like. I don't know what a ton of, I'm not, super well-versed in the world of politics. Yeah. But I'm like, here's kind of what I think. Yeah. And here's kind of what I've heard. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. Here's what I think is right. Let's talk about it. Like, yeah. How do you... It's like, I'm open to what you have to say. Like, and I, I think a lot of people don't go in with an open mind. And that's the... It's come up so much on Joe Rogan recently of that bad ideas get shut down through speech. Yeah. The more you talk about ideas and the more you vet an idea, yeah, the better idea comes through that. Yep. Through trial and error. And of, you can just work through yeah. It's like try it. Oh, it doesn't work. And maybe maybe it's a working idea and you can make it improved and you can polish it up. It's like, but without without that, like I have a lot of thoughts in my head. And until I say them out loud, maybe me I'm like, you know what? No. I was thinking that and I was like, no, actually it's this way. And I'm, I'm thinking out loud and I'm like in real time, polishing my thoughts on ideas. And it's like, okay, well, okay, maybe that doesn't sound right. Well, maybe say it this way or maybe interpret it that way or whatever it is. And it's like, without being able to do that, it's not, it doesn't lead to very good things. And you can't, you can't be married to your stance. You know, ideas yeah. are fluid. Yep. Like they're, they're changing things that if, your ideas soon become cemented and become a foundation or a foundational part of who you are in yeah. defining um, your your identity, that's when things become problematic. Yeah. Because now when you're discussing it, it's almost as if I'm insulting you, but I'm not insulting you. It's that we're talking about an idea and you're, you're married to this belief or married to this stance that, that now you think I'm insulting you. Like, yeah, I, it's, it's not that. And I think that's, that's a big problem where then people write you off of you're trying to discuss an idea and something comes up and now you make a statement and they say, oh, well, because you said that, that means this, like a lot of times, or you're this person because you said that it's like, well, you don't, you don't know that. Like you don't know me. And yeah, you, you don't know. That's the thing is you don't know me. I, I had this gut check, um, I think we talked about it once where anytime I'm at the gym or when I was going to a gym, I would be lifting and I would see someone who had like trainer on their shirt or like someone who was uh kind of look like a gym bro, or yeah. like a typical gym bro. Yeah. And, uh, 
I would see them and my gut reaction was as I was doing whatever action, hey, what am I too good for you? No, keep going, keep going. Um that uh, we gotta finish this up soon. Okay. Um that I was like, this guy's gonna come over and try to like correct my form or say something. I'm gonna be like, well, if I wanted to look like you, I would ask you how I would lift. Like just all these things yeah. where I'm like super defensive and it's all happening in my head where I'm like, why is that my gut reaction? To automatically assume that this person is a bad person who's gonna come over and try and like tell me how to live my life. I'm like, this guy's just probably a cool guy. Yeah. Like wanting to work out, like work on his physique and maybe like training clients. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. That you have these like it's easy to automatically jump to that though. Yeah. And put someone in a box and it's like, yeah, and that's where I it's like someone's cool until they're not. Yep. Mentality of like, like I'm you gotta give everyone a chance and then let them ruin it from there. Yep. Or or build upon it for mm-hmm. whatever it is. So well, this was good. We're gonna do this again in a warmer climate climate. <laughs> We maybe, can maybe do it maybe. before I leave, but you're gonna, you'll be down there. We'll see. You'll be down there. We'll I'll see what's on going it. on. Uh, I'll put Matt's stuff below. Find him. Where, where can we find you? Mostly on Instagram. Mostly Instagram. Uh, I post client work on Facebook, but uh, that's the only reason I use Facebook. Um, High tech hippie. You don't put your political stuff on there. Uh, you I should start doing that. Any people, political people care, anywhere. and you'll probably change some. Should probably change some minds. So, all right, the High Tech Hippie, H I, Tech Hippie. Uh, I'll I'll link his stuff down below. In the show notes or wherever it is, but always good. Yep, always good time. I'll see you later.